It's the raw. They like the raw stuff. Yeah, they like that toxic masculinity. You have. <laughs> well, Edgar's back. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back, people. Welcome back, man. How was, uh, how was the vacay? Man, I didn't want to come back. It was amazing. Nice. Yeah. It's you good to be here, though. It's usually like that. Yeah. You say that until two weeks into, you're like, can't wait to go back to reality. Seriously. Yeah. It was great. Well, back to rela- reality you are. Um, happy Monday, everybody. TGIM, it's five o'clock somewhere. Uh, I want to thank uh, Pierre Manuel Antonian for taking time out of his Monday to be with us. Um, Pierre, thank you so much, man. My pleasure. Uh, today's going to be a very deep episode. We're going to get into, obviously, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, a lot of you know serious topics that a lot of people are struggling with. And it's kind of uh, overshadowed with other things going on in the world, like COVID and uh, other things that aren't as <laughs> aren't as serious. But uh, before we obviously start the show and get into the nitty gritty, Pierre, kind of do an introduction, uh, talk about yourself and uh, you know who you are, your background, and then we'll kind of get sure. into everything else. Um, my name is Pierre. Manuel Antunian. Uh, I was born and raised here in Glendale, actually born in Hollywood, California. Uh, my parents are both Armenian. My dad is Lebanese-Armenian from Eshefia, Lebanon, of Armenian blood. And my mom is Bulgarian, Ar- my mom is Bulgarian-Armenian from uh, Bulgaria, also of Bulgarian blood. Uh, they both came and met here, uh, married here, had my brother and I here. We were both in both born in Hollywood, California, and we were raised in L.A., so we're, uh, we were basically American-Armenian, but, you know, both speak Armenian, speak it pretty well, I think, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, both uh, grew up in Glendale, went to school in Glendale, did all our grade school in Glendale, both of us went to Hoover High School, uh, then I went to USC, studied architecture, my brother went to Woodbury, studied animation. And uh, we've been both working uh, in our fields, respectively. Uh, my brother uh, has kind of dabbled in uh, illustrations, storybook, storyboards, uh, storyboard artistry, illustration, uh, children's books, um, uh, murals. And I've been working in the field of architecture, primarily in theme entertainment design, uh, for the last 11 years. Um, and that's the short version of it yeah yeah well and and before we get into actually the whole aspect of mental illness if you want to kind of a quick disclaimer just to clear oh, the air yeah, yeah absolutely um so my disclaimer before i get into my story is um i do not want anyone to come out of this saying that oh pierre's speaking as a psychiatrist or a psychologist or is pushing any kind of medication whatsoever. I'm not here to do that. I'm only here to talk about my story and my personal experience. So anything I say, talk about, I'm not here to suggest anything, only talk about my personal experience and hopefully shed some light on the topic, especially to our Armenian community because I know how taboo it has been or is, uh, and hopefully it will shed some light, especially on the older generation. I know the younger generation, I think, is a lot more um, 
savvy on it, a lot more privy to what depression and anxiety is. And then again, uh, I think even the younger generation can, can use some knowledge on what depression and anxiety is and what it, what it really is and what not what they think it is. So, yeah, that's my disclaimer. So I don't want anyone to walk away from this being like, hey, oh, Pierre said, oh, you know, I should take this medication or that. No, not at all. I'm not here to push any medications on anyone whatsoever just because I take it. I'm not saying that's the route. There's many routes, many routes. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, so th- we're going to be discussing a lot of different treatments from medications to alternative treatments to, you know, uh, upcoming treatments that have been in the works for many years. But like, Pierre, yeah, like Pierre said, this is just us sharing experiences and uh, it, it's not medical advice by any means. None of us are psychiatrists or psychologists here at the table. We do have financial advisors here, but no, no <laughs> psychologists and designers. Um, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and so everything that we're going to be discussing is very specific <coughs> to Pierre, but also just in general mental illness uh, and how it has overtaken kind of almost all other diseases out there over the last decade or so. So it's going to, and, and if you guys have obviously comments and questions. We will get to them as we do any other show. Um, and, yeah, just tune in. Hopefully you guys will learn something. Like, yeah. share. Uh, if you're on Facebook, there's a share button. You can click that. Share it to your wall. Share it to a group if you guys are part of a group. If you're watching on YouTube, copy the link. Share it with friends. Text it to them. Message it to them. Uh, let them know we're on live. Uh, this is obviously a topic Yeah, a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about. Because some consider it taboo. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. Uh, it's hat, not taboo. Hat, yeah. Hats off to you for being able to, you know, come on live and really talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I think a lot of people after, after this episode will maybe even reevaluate some of the people that around them as far as what to look for, mm-hmm. the signs to look for, yeah. and, and how to seek help. Because that, that's truly what's really important to take those first steps. And that's why it's important to, we wanted to have you on, is uh, j- just to have that discussion from from a uh, your, your own perspective. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, rather than, you know, if you have a psychiatrist, psychologist on, it's still good, but it's not the same as from an actual individual patient who's, who's living with it. Yeah. Right? So... 100%. Yeah. You, you mentioned something about... Off the po- off the podcast, um, four years ago you became a born again Christian. Yeah, yeah. There's actually, a, and six yeah. years ago. Six years, six ago. years ago. 2016, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, there yeah. You go. It was when and I. He's our financial advisor, yeah. and uh, and you, there's affirmations you read to yourself every morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you kind of wanted to start off with one I, of those, right? I did. Yeah, actually, um, it's funny because um, I didn't really know where I was going to start off with today or tonight. And um, as I was thinking about it, and I was working also because I work, I work from home now, um, I got one in the morning, and I was reading it. I'm like, this is the perfect one. So I want to share with the audience what I received in my mailbox. Uh, it was a daily affirmation. And it goes uh, in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, God is given a beautiful name, the God of all comfort. What a fantastic name it is. For Christ himself promised to give us a comforter 
in John 14, 16, the Holy Spirit himself. Why is God known for his, com- for his comfort? That we might be able to give others the same comfort we have, re- we have received from God. It is a glory to know God. Helps, it is a glory to know God helps us in our trials in order to help others in theirs. What do you get out of that when you read that? Because I'm here to the best of my ability to help the audience to shed light on the topic of anxiety and depression. Yeah. And that's what I got out of that. It, I thought, it, to me, this is a message saying, Pierre, you're going to be here on this platform sharing your story. And, and it touched me, actually. It really did. Talk about timing. The timing right. was impeccable. Yeah. This is, it's divine. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how long did it start? Uh, my first bout of anxiety? Yeah. Um, the first real one or when I first felt S- it? Something where you, it kind of it hit you and you kind of felt it where it was like, holy shit, I think something's wrong. Uh, March of 2016. So exactly six years ago. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that, but yeah, March 2016. I just want to finish. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry, no, no, sorry, no, no, sorry. No, no, it's all good. Um, thus, we are the hands and feet of Jesus to them. Lord, may the gentleness of your comfort teach us how to give comfort to those we love as, as we lift them up to you. Keep us ever grateful for your comforting hand and never take it for granted. We're able to come to you endlessly for infinite comfort, and this is the one, and this is one of the greatest mercies of our God. Thank you. Very well said. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a lot of support out here, bro. Well, you you did not have to have your lullabies in the (laughs) show, bro. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Armon goes to sleep to at night, people. It's all right. Yeah. So 2016, that was the first time you felt a real, when I'm like, something's wrong. So was it? Was it more of like a panic attack? What was it exactly? Uh, it wasn't a panic attack. Um, so uh, some life events had happened. Uh-huh. And so I was sort of in this mode. I was coming, I was kind of at the tail end of this period in my life where I had been working really hard on my career. And I had been sort of just putting a lot of energy into my career. And sort of had kind of put my own kind of self to the side. So I went into this mode where in hindsight now, of course, I'm like, well, that was a little too much, right? So I was, I was what, 20, no, not 20. I was 32, 33, maybe 34. Early 30s. Early 30s, mid 30s, early 30s. And I had kind of gone into this bit of a party lifestyle. um, And I was drinking quite a bit. I was drinking pretty heavily, actually. Um, I have, I, have, I don't drink now. You um, were drinking heavily, not because of it, just no, not because of it. Just, and people actually think like, oh, well, Pierre was drinking because he was like hiding his anxiety. I'm like, no, I wasn't feeling anxiety. I was, I was just drinking because I was celebrating life. Um, and uh, so I definitely was drinking more than I should have been. And a lot of people around me were like, Pierre, you're drinking too much. I'm like, yeah, but I'm good. When you say drinking too much, is it like you you, you were drinking throughout the day or just more in no, the evenings, evenings, socially? Socially at evenings. Okay. Yeah. But it was like three, four times a night. A, um, a week. A week. Yeah, yeah. During the week. 
and it would be at bars. Um, it would be, and my drink of choice was scotch. I love scotch. I still do, but um, because of my medications, I, I don't drink right now. I mean, I would drink. I would not drink like I was before, but, you know, I do love scotch, but I don't, I choose not to right now. Number one, because I'm on, I am on medications. Number two, um, it doesn't serve me like it used to because I don't want a 48-hour hangover, and I don't think anyone does. Of course I'm 43 yeah. years old right now. I, I can't take alcohol like I used to. Uh, in any event, so <clears throat> I was drinking quite heavily, and um, all in the meanwhile, um, so that was, what, 2014, 2015, and um, my uncle, an uncle that I adored and a lot of my family just absolutely adored him. I mean, he was like, and he was like the uncle that like had like just made it, right? Like he had made, he was making a lot of money and he was living the lifestyle. Uh, and I don't mean like he was living it and like he was like showing it off. I mean, like he, he just worked really hard. Like he came from rags, man. Like, I mean, he came from Lebanon. Like all my family, all my family on my dad's side came from Lebanon and uh, it was seven. It was four brothers and three sisters. Four brothers and three sisters. And um, my grandmother, um, my dad's dad, my dad's mom, passed away at a young age. Uh, so all, so all my my dad and my uncles and my aunts didn't really finish school, right? So they were forced to uh, start working. So they had to like kind of. They couldn't finish school, so they had to go to work. At least my dad, I know my dad did. I'm sure my uncles did as well. I don't know what my aunts did. I think the younger ones had to go to a Kisharoti, you know, a nice school. Uh, they had to go away. So uh, they had a pretty rough upbringing, right? So when they eventually immigrated to the United States, they kind of brought that with them, right? That this kind of like, we need to work. It was a very kind of we we got to work to survive mentality, but also it was the same time it was also uh, it, they never really had a childhood at the same time, you know, so uh, there were there were some emotional issues there, and I'm not going to get into too much detail, but so that kind of carried over, right? So my uncle, the one who passed away, uh, I I didn't. I'm kind of skipping forward a little bit. So yeah. my uncle, the one that we adored, uh, he he really made it. Like he got into jewelry at a very young age, and like in the early 20s, uh, like in the we're talking like the early 1980s, right? And like his business just like took off. Like it really took off. Um, kind of created the American dream for himself. He just completely created the American dream for himself. Uh, I mean, we're talking racks to riches, uh, like like your ultimate American dream. Yeah. Uh, but what happened was it went from rags to riches to rags. And then when it went to rags, um, and when you have a family who has a history of mental illness, because uh, in, in my family, we have mental illness both from the mom's side and from the dad's side. So in my family, I got the arrows from both sides. So um, when we saw his health deteriorate, over the years, he got basically stage four cancer. And we did at first, we didn't know it was cancer because it was like in his stomach. And um, so he used to take, uh, he used to get a lot of heartburn. 
uh, he was a heavy drinker and heavy smoker, right? So he would take, uh, what's that one medicine that you see all the commercials on right now? Where they're like, oh, if you've, if you've been taking this Harper medication, you, you can have a lawsuit filed. Is it Zantac or something? Yeah, well, but Zantac, Zantac? yeah. Yeah, Zantac. Yes, so yes. he used to take Zantac, like, religiously. Um, so we think it might have been that, but, you know, who knows, right? Mm, no, it, it was, I would say it was... Combination. It was a combination. It, it, it could have been a combination. It could have been related to, to the depression itself. Because if it gets to, to, to an extreme point... Yeah, stress it, can definitely... It could lead, yeah. lead to ulcers in your stomach, which then lead to H. pylora, which then leads to stomach cancer. That, that's, very, that's very possible because... And I want to talk about that also, is about the physiology <coughs> that yeah. leads to anxiety and depression as well. But uh, long story short, he was diagnosed with cancer ultimately... And um, it it uh, it was stage four, and at first we're like, okay, well maybe he's gonna make it, and then it it got pretty bad. Long story short, January six, twenty sixteen, he passed away on our meeting Christmas. And how old was he? He was fifty seven. Wow, yeah, he's very young. young. Very young, very young. So. and I was still, mind you, kind of in this mode of, like, partying. Uh, so I, it hit me pretty hard. Um, and, you know, I had this one. I'd, I'd gone to Vegas with a friend of mine, and I have a first cousin who lives in Vegas. And we had gone there, and we, we were, you know, kind of celebrating because I hadn't seen her in forever, and we were celebrating together. And then, you know, we were we were talking about our uncle, and I think we had like received, like either like that week or the, a few days prior, and we were told that the chances of him surviving were very little, and then we just like we had been doing some drinking, and then that that celebrating turned into just like this massive crying event, and we were just sobbing like like little babies, so. For me, I felt like that was my way of letting it out, but clearly it wasn't because I went on for another two months. So that was January. So when he passed, it was January 6th. I remember delivering his eulogy uh, at at the funeral. And then, so fast forward, so January, February, it was middle of March. So, and I had kind of like, I wasn't really drinking as much. Like, I kind of stopped, like, mid-February. And I remember waking up one morning, and it was March of 2016. And and it kind of, it literally hit me like a ton of bricks because it came out of nowhere, but in hindsight, it was all subconscious. Because I, I see it now. Because what happened was, I woke up one day, I went to bed feeling perfectly fine. I'm talking like I wasn't feeling anxious. I wasn't feeling depressed. I go to bed, wake up the next day. Number one, I'm trembling from head to toe, just trembling. I'm like, I have the shakes. I'm like, what the heck's going on, right? And as I wake up and I get out of bed, I'm getting out of bed. I'm like feeling depressed. I'm like, why am I trembling? And why am I feeling depressed? And it was, it, was, it was like, it was real. And to answer your question, 
when did you first feel it to that degree? That was the first time. Um, so, and it was like a no, it was a it was non controllable trembling. I'm assuming it was it was no, it was uncontrollable for about an hour or two. The trembling sort of went away. Depression sort of lingered. Uh, then the depression sort of went away, and then the following morning, same exact thing. And then three or four days into it, it was this sort of general mode of anxiety. No panic attacks, just feeling anxious, feeling upset. Um, and all of a sudden, the, the anxiety turns into anger. And then the anger turns into more anxiety. And it's like, what am I doing with my life? Where's my career going? Uh, and it just went into this mode of uh, what's happening to me? Why am I feeling this way? So there is a psychological component, but also there's a physiological component as well. And I think one thing I want people to understand about depression and anxiety is it's 100% psychological. And in many cases, it's 100% physiological. So both simultaneously. It's both both simultaneously. So you... You felt, now the physiological um, impact was the trembling, yeah. right? Yeah, at the, that, that was the symptom at the time, but it got worse. did you have any type of, you know, because usually when you talk to people who are dealing with depression, um, they always say, I, I feel like there's a knot in my stomach or like mm. my something's pressing on my chest, yeah. right? Um did you did you feel that ever before that or I mean, because it seems like your uncle's death triggered it right the, I think that my uncle's death was a final cherry you don't think the stopping the drinking had anything to do with it um it definitely played a role but I think it was a it was combination a of a few things it together. was a combination it was part of the puzzle in, could, a, in a larger Kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Yeah, but alcohol is a depressant. <clears throat> of course, but anytime Absolutely. you let go of alcohol, it does give. It leaves the effects. It it, it does. It does one hundred percent. But, um, I w- I hadn't fully quit drinking. It's one thing to quit drinking, and then a week or two later feel it. But when when you say drinking, are we talk? Are we talking about drinking until you? Blackout, pass out, or are we drinking as far as, like, drinking to get a buzz? No, I was drinking to get a buzz. But, like, for me, like, to get a buzz, I had to have, like, four four double blacks. Shots. Yeah. Shots. Yeah. Now, how how was everything else in your life at the time? Because you said, you know, your career came crashing down and all. I mean, what else was going on in your life then? Well, the career didn't necessarily come crashing down. The career was fine. It was just, like, stagnant. The career was fine. It was more stagnant. Um, everything else in my life... Um, like were, you, did you, were you dating? Were, like, what else was going on well, in your I life? Well, was, I wasn't dating anyone per se. I was just sort of dating in general, and I was sort of abusing that. Um, I wasn't dating for the right purposes of dating. I was sort of taking advantage of it. Mm. And and prior prior to your uncle's passing and you kind of crash, crashing down there, there was no other hints of 
you having oh hence you know yeah. once a week or once a month where you felt like anxious anxious or just oh there was di- didn't want to because some of the things that lead to depression one of the things is hygiene usually is 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 one of the first signs of, of depression <sighs> okay right yeah yeah uh, as far as people don't want to elaborate they don't want to trim their nails they mm. don't want to shower oh no um you know stuff don't, like don't that don't want to shave that don't want to shave that. yeah that oh. it it that's one of the first signs of oh, depression. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. But I was in that department. I was fine. You were fine. I was fine. What what I did experience is I noticed that in my so after so after the fact after I went through my first round, um, I sort of like took a step back and looked back into my twenties, and uh, and I realized that when I was in my twenties. I had episodes of depression and anxiety. I just didn't know they were depression and anxiety. You thought you were having a bad day. I just thought I was having a bad day. Like, for instance, I would, like, had worked, like, really hard on this one deadline at work. And I had, like, really burned myself out. And I would, on a Saturday, for instance, I had taken, like, I had gone to, like, taken a nap at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I would wake up at 3 p.m. And when I woke up, I would wake up with my heart racing like extremely fast and i'm like that's odd what was that but then i would just brush it off and now i know what that was so so a lot of at the time like a lot of the psychi all well, the psychiatrists that i was seeing at the time uh, at that time i saw three different psychiatrists but the one that ultimately helped me at the time basically told me was that you actually a few of them did said that you actually have always been an anxious person you just didn't know it uh, and, and, you know, not to be like, uh, I know th- there's this whole discussion about, oh, like, you know, all doctors are going to say what they're going to want to say. Cause like, and I think this is like, this is the one thing I want to get across is like, uh, Armenians have a tendency to want to just really just kind of brush off doctors because, oh, they're going to say whatever they're going to want to say because they want to make their money. Right. It's, it's a classic, classic, just they, brush they, off. Those exist too, Pierre, but not all of them. that's true and i'm here to say that if you're having a really bad case and if you're consulting a psychiatrist that you trust that you feel comfortable with listen to your psychiatrist it's okay or if it's your psychologist listen to your psychologist it's okay they may actually know something and you might learn something from them so um i actually took heed to that and i'm like i'm like damn it he was right my psychiatrist was right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, there were, to answer your question, yes, I had signs of depression and anxiety in my early 20s and mid-20s. I just didn't know that it was depression and anxiety. Was there something that you kind of did as far as to cope with it when you did feel anxious? Because a lot of people, when a lot of people feel anxious about certain things, some people will go out for a walk. Some people will go out for a drive. Somebody will go to the gym. Maybe they'll call a friend, go out and kind of hang out, vent to them. Was there anything that you were kind of doing to help cope with the situation? At, at that time in my 20s when I would have those minor episodes. Was it the alcohol that you were kind of going to? or was I was it? going to alcohol at that time, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. was even making things worse. Yeah. So throughout yeah. those years, you never saw a therapist, psychologist. No, no because I didn't know what, what I was having. What I had was depression and anxiety. Mm. Yeah, even though, I know now. Even though 
genetically from both your mom's and dad's side. There's a history of depression. Yeah, right? but see, I never... The the thing is, like, when you grow up, uh, you know, when you're, when you're growing up and you're... Because, I mean, you know, when you're in your 20s, you feel like you're invincible. Yeah. And as you get older, you learn. And that's one of the beautiful things about being older is you learn a lot by yourself. Self-discovery is one of the most beautiful things. Now, now, when you found that out, let's, when you had that crash, did you at that point pursue a psychiatrist or a psychologist? Or what's, what steps did you take at that point? Did you talk uh, the, to your family? The first crash? Uh, first crash, uh, I did the worst thing I possibly could have done was I self-medicated. And it was with clonopin, uh, which is a benzodiazepine. Yeah. Um, and then I eventually... How do, how do you self-medicate? Like, you take the... Uh, well, does I was, that belong to someone else? It, it, belonged, to, it belonged to my parents. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so, you, I, so you, you took benzos? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm currently on benzodiazepines right now, as we oh. speak. Yeah. And, yeah. I w- and I was the first time around, but I was able to come off of them because the antidepressant I was on at the time worked... And I was able to come off the benzo. But, I mean, let me ask you a question. As far as, you know, being young, not, you know, being a pharmacist or any sort of doctor, what made you think, hey, you know what, maybe if I take these benzos, it'll help? Because once you're on that... Desperation, bro. I mean, it's a... It was... uh, I'm sorry, keep going. Yeah, it's it's because when you get on benzos, it's it's a very addictive Mm -hmm. medication. Mm -hmm. Very addictive. I mean, there's football players that get on benzos for painkillers and for, for yeah. pain and yeah. for them to get off of it, it, it takes, I know. I mean, yeah. What was, I didn't know the first time I know now. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know the dangers of benzos the first time around. And I'm going to share a story right now. That's going to, and that's why I made my disclaimer is number one, don't listen to me about medications because, uh, it's not the only route. Number two, um, if you do take medication and that's the route you decide to take, please, by all means, I'm looking at the camera right now, please consult an expert. And I'm not talking about your primary care. Consult a psychiatrist. And even furthermore, consult a psychiatrist that you trust and do your research. Because benzos are no joke. Can we talk about the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist? It's very simple. Uh, psychiatrist is an MD who can prescribe medication. And typically, they're not therapists, so you don't go to them for, you don't go there for a 50-minute... Sit down. Sit down, you know, once a week or every so often. Psychologists typically are PhD, and you you go to a psychologist, they cannot prescribe medication, and you can see psychiatrists once a week, once a month, however... however. That's psychologists. I mean, psychologists, yeah. Uh, a psychiatrist usually will see you, let's say, once every three months. And then if you're doing, you know, the medications are effective, they'll redo, sit down to twice a year and then yeah. once a year, depending on your needs. And yeah. if, if you have an episode, you can always call them. And, and then depending yeah. on what the patient's feeling, they could change medication or Correct. reduce yeah. it or increase yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Psychologist is, is, I mean, that's why I asked initially you didn't go to a psychologist, right? Because to discuss the, the issues. Well, actually, I did, but, you know, yeah. you can still discuss the issues with a psychiatrist, but it's not going to be therapy. Their therapy is the, the uh, prescription pad. Yeah. That's, that's it depends on the psychiatrist. Some 
do minor, yeah, but it's well, not yeah. it's not the same. Yeah. 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 Um, but but the whole thing about clonopin, basically clonopin, which is cl- clonazepam, mm. and then they've got which is an extended release form of Ativan, yeah, which is yeah. lorazepam, right? Yeah, lorazepam. Basically, these are used for typically people who are dealing with anxiety and need quick relief, like an Ativan. Somebody who's anxious and you know they're restless, or we even in hospice we use it for terminal agitation, which it, when somebody's at the, near the end, they they develop restlessness. Yeah. And so we use Ativan because it's it's a quick release. You give it to them 10, 15 minutes, it calms them down. It's like an EpiPen for somebody for anxiety, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it doesn't work for hundred percent of the people, but it's very effective for let's say my my patients. It's very effective. Well, the fact that you're saying that it takes about 10, 15 minutes for them to calm down, that shit must be very strong. Yeah, Ativan is fast-acting. That's fast neurologic, acting. right? Yeah, yeah. It's fast-acting. Clonopin is more... Longer. It's long. like extended release, Rapid, so yeah. it's not typically an as-needed, where Ativan is on an as-needed basis. Yeah. So, I mean, none of us are advising, obviously, for anybody to self-medicate. No, <laughs> no not at all. Not at so, all. Not at all. You you basically went in there. You took benzos from mom and dad. Yeah, and you attempted to self medicate. How did that? Uh, how how long did that go for? Okay, and what were your reactions to somebody else's medication? Because we we've joked on the podcast many times as far as you know our Armenian grandmas <laughs> giving their diabetic medication or their antibiotic medications to yeah. uh, a neighbor. But I mean. This is something where it's it's it's, it's no joke. It's no joke. Bro. No, clonopin is no joke. So I mean, how how long did you do this for, and what were your reactions to it? Uh, so I'll I'll explain. So so I first um, I first self medicated on clonopin. Uh, what happened was I was sort of on uh, when I was at. So I was still working, right? Yeah. So I was feeling all this, and I was going to work, and I wasn't feeling well. Uh, but I was kind of on a break. I was in between jobs. So like one of the things with working where I, where I was working at the time was we typically got loaned out to Walt Disney Imagineering. What I do is theme entertainment design. So I work, we have a base, which is our base base office, uh, and we're directly across Walt Disney Imagineering. So we typically, most of the time, get loaned out to Walt Disney Imagineering, and we spend whether it's six months, a year, or a year and a half, working on a specific portfolio, specific project, whether it's a ride attraction or a full-on theme park. Um, and then when that's done, we go back to our home base office, and we might sit there for a week. We might sit there for two, three, four months. We just don't know. Um, so I was, I was in between projects at the time. So the anxiety levels were, because this was my first bout of anxiety, I was feeling anxious, but I was also not on this stressful deadline situation. Now, I love what I do, first and foremost. I love what I do. But when you're going through anxiety and depression, what it does is it clouds the mind, and it kind of creates this um, this alternate reality of what you're doing. Facade. Facade. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I've got to change my professions. I'm not making enough money. I hate what I do. And it's like like the devil's just lying to you, man. Like the devil's just lying to you. Uh, there's a spiritual component to all of this as well. But um, were, were you already diag- officially diagnosed or no? At, uh, at, at this point, um, I was. Uh, I was by my... Let me, go, let me go back a little bit. Yes, I was. Was it 
depression or bipolar or it was uh, it was de- it was uh, major depression and major anxiety at the time. Okay. So not bipolar then. It wasn't bipolar. Okay. No, and uh, it's not by bi- it wasn't bipolar the second time around, which is the the bout that I went through this past time. Yeah. Although I did have a psychiatrist suggest that I might be. So I don't know because bipolar means you you have an alter ego basically. It's a well, different personality, man. Yeah, you have the, depre- the the parts where you're depressed, and then parts where you're manic in the sense where you're you want to go spend money, you want to do things that you wouldn't. It's it's, it's two completely different people. You know. And I've met people who are bipolar, mm-hmm. and it it just <clears throat> the the first time I ever met somebody who was who was diagnosed with bipolarism, right. it it blew my mind how completely different they were at one moment, and then thirty minutes later, when you're on a phone call with them, they're this completely different. That's bipolar one. There's two. Yeah, yeah. I've never actually met someone bipolar one. Uh, Typically, the from my understanding of it is most people fall into the bipolar two spectrum, which is what you're describing. But so instead of thirty minutes, we're talking about three months or three yeah. years or oh, fifty. What you're talking about is yeah. not very common. Yeah, that's, that's common. Yeah. Then that I've never seen either. No, this person I've never this, experienced. Yeah, that. this person had to be on certain and. Their significant other would reach out and would say, "Sorry, they were off their meds today." Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's bipolar medications yeah. also. So. Yeah. Now, since your parents both sides were dealing with this, were they both on medication? They both uh, are, uh, were and still are. They still are. Yeah. So, knowing that they were on medications, did you think to like? Okay, maybe I should go see their psychiatrist if it's been helping my parents. I sh- instead of you trying to self-medicate yourself. It um, at the time, I mean, in hindsight, that was that would have been the rational thing to do. Yeah. But because it was my first real bout of it, and I didn't know, it was like more out of desperation than anything else. And I, it. Um, it you don't want to come to terms with the reality. It was it was uh, it was almost like partially I was in denial, and partially I didn't want to accept it, and it was also like I had to work, and I want to feel normal, um, but then ultimately uh, what ended up happening was I tried three different antidepressants, I went through Lexapro, uh, which worked, but it made me very robotic. This was again on your own. No, no, no. Now, now this is now this is through a psychiatrist. Oh, through psychiatrist. Yeah. So what? Ha- so uh, I'm going to quickly give you my rundown with clonopin the first time around. I'm on clonopin right now, uh, but the first time around, I was able to come off of clonopin, and the goal is this time to come off clonopin again. Uh, but the first time around, I self-medicated, not knowing what the dangers of clonopin were. So this story is going to like uh, it's just it's just wild. So I started off with 0.5 milligrams of clonopin. Which is standard. It's pretty standard, right? Yeah. So I would take that only at night, uh, and it would knock me out for about, initially for about four or five, six hours, because I was using it as a sleeping pill. Clonopin, for some people, works as a sleeping pill. It's not a sleeping medication. Clonopin is, an, is actually an anti-seizure medication. And that's oh, what... Shit. It's an anti-seizure medication, and usually... Clonopin 
for someone who has seizures, the doses we're talking are like, could range anywhere from four milligrams up to like 20 milligrams from what I've heard, which is crazy, That's right? too much. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so I was on 0.5 milligrams back in 2016. And then I did that for about like three weeks. And then I'm like, okay, well, I started getting, I was going from getting five, six hours of sleep a night to getting like three hours. So I'd wake up, I'd take another 0.5. So now we're at one milligram. And I went, that went up for about two weeks, three weeks. I finally got up to like 1.5 milligrams. And I'm like, okay, this is not working anymore, right? Like, because here's what happens with clonopin, benzodiazepines, your body builds a tolerance to it and it builds a tolerance really quickly. Um, and again, I didn't notice about clonopin at the time. All I knew was I had to be at work the next day and I had to be rested. Um, so I, in the course of about two and a half or three months, it went from 0.5 to one night, I popped one milligram, went to sleep for two hours, woke up, took another milligram, went to sleep for another two hours, woke up, I'm like, okay, I only got four hours. I don't feel rested. If anything, my anxiety is only getting worse. It was psychological uh, because I was like, I felt like not only was I having anxiety, but I was also like putting extra stress on myself because I had to be at work. I wasn't sleeping enough because with the, the number one medicine for anxiety and depression, uh, mainly for anxiety, is sleep. Sleep is crucial. And the problem is when someone has depression and anxiety, like true clinical depression and anxiety, they don't get enough sleep. Um, so what happened was I'm like, okay, well, clearly clonopin is not working, not knowing what clonopin is. Right. So I'm like, I'm not going to take clonopin anymore. Stop cold turkey. I call turkey clonopin, uh, theoretically 1.5, but that night I had taken two milligrams. So I went four days without taking clonopin and my body spiraled out of control. Cause you have to taper it, right? Uh, you have to taper clonopin. Yeah. Most medications. But Most medications, but especially... you got to slowly wean yourself slowly. off. Slowly. Yeah. yeah, I went four days. Um, now, mind you, in the course of the, of, of the... In this course of three months that I've been taking Clonopin, I went from 190 pounds to 160 pounds because I wasn't eating because, uh, like, my, my anxiety was, like, through the roof. So for four days, I didn't take Clonopin. Um... I was, I mean, I was, I, I went to my doctor. I'm like, I don't, I can't sleep at night. Well, number one, I'm having clonopin withdrawal, which some have compared to uh, heroin withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm shaking like a rattlesnake. What's and the it, base for that clonopin? Is it heroin base? No, no. I, I, I honestly, I don't know what the base is. Well, Ani Rostamians here, maybe she can. But it all works with technically. It's uh, your neurotransmitters and GABA, uh, your GABA receptors as yeah. well. Yeah. So it's not. Um, so then you came off that cold turkey. Mm-hmm. Your Four days. body spiraled into complete a mess. a mess. I was shaking like a rattlesnake. I couldn't stand in one location or sit in one location more than like a few seconds. I had to move around. Were you pacing? I was pacing like nonstop. dragging your feet. Uh huh. And I had severe depression on top of it. Because the withdrawal from clonopin also causes really bad depression. Uh, because and, and this is all taking place at home. 
all taking place at home. So what is, again... Now I'm not going to work at this point, so by the is, way. So is your workplace calling, concerned, asking what's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I'm like, sorry, uh, you know, such and such. Um, I'm going through a really bad case of anxiety right now. I can't come to work. I, th- I think I took like seven weeks off. So you were, you were pretty much upfront with them. You told them what's I, going I, on. I, yeah, I, you have to. You have to. What else? What else am I going to say? Oh, um, I'm not feeling well. No, I, I, I'm just saying. I, I got you. Yeah, because yeah, right. some people might kind of be in know, denial. We, yeah, but in he's denial. past the denial yeah, stage like, at that point. Yeah. I was past the denial stage at this point. You, I mean, it was terrible. It was terrible because not only are you having anxiety, you're also having clonopin withdrawal, and you know this was two milligrams. I mean, so like you know, you you first started about Stevie Nicks. She was on like. What sixty milligrams, like ninety milligrams what? of clonopin? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. I really? read. Yeah, re- well, you gotta, you gotta Google it. I don't know. I'll Stevie Google Nicks. Same. Yeah, Stevie Nicks well, from a Fleetwood Mac. Pierre, I just wanted to share with you a lot of people on the comments, man. A lot of support. You have a lot of support. Oh, awesome. Community, okay, bro. A ton of support. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm all about transparency, by the way. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Someone did mention that. When the Dodgers lose, you don't take that too well. Huh? <laughs> uh, no, I usually don't. <laughs> don't Big follow, Dodger fan, by the way. Don't follow we the Dodgers. Tell, we can tell. <laughs> let, let me solve that one for you. When's no the last time any Dodger player paid your cell phone bill? No. <laughs> Maybe he's a minority care, owner. Bro. Why the hell he's a minority care? owner, bro. What do you know? <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> if you don't own them, who, do, who no. cares? Like. See, I'm a big soccer fan, right? Yeah. Like, at a certain level, it came to me. I was like, nah, it's not doing it for me. It's oh, no, way, no. It's yeah, for entertainment. Sure. Like, for sure. I look at it as entertainment. Absolutely. Now, you know? Absolutely. I'll watch the highlights and move on. That's it. No, but, I mean, look, like, um, I'm a I'm a Dodger for life. I bleed blue. And, look, and my thing is, if they lose, they lose. Yeah. I'm, I'm still going to follow them, you know? Like, I'm That's not going to put my, my health on it. Of course not. So, I get what you're saying. But I, I bleed blue. That's great. Yeah, yeah. My first Dodger game was like Mike Piazza was a. How many a Dodger rookie. games you've been to? Three or four. I've been to two. How many you are? No. How many games you've been to? I'm an Angels fan. Oh, sorry. awesome! Sorry. They, 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 no, Angels have a great. <laughs> team I've been this to year. one Angel game and two fan. Dodger yeah, games. Angels I've, have a great team this year. Yeah, Otani, that man. voice, Otani. that voice. So I've been to I've been to multiple Angel you know, games. You got Dodger. I, I've been to one Dodger game and I wasn't a fan of the. I wasn't a fan of the fan base. Oh, uh, depends and, on what year you went, but yeah. You got to sit in the right area. Yeah, and what was going on. So uh, after going to a couple of Angels games, it felt a lot more peaceful. It's a little... Uh, Angel, I've, I've been to only one Angels game in my lifetime, uh-huh. uh, and it was actually October of last year. Um, and yeah, it's a little more peaceful, I would say. I, yeah. I, I, I kind of see where... I, I kind of agree with that. But uh, Dodger loyals, man. Like no, no, I know. Dodgers food is better. Prices are better. Have you gotten a burger at Angel Stadium, bro? I've gotten burgers, hot dogs, nachos, all that. So my my, so my joke with Dodger Stadium, like uh, one of my favorite things there is the mechilada. So like one time in like it was like 2017 (laughs) or 2018, I was waiting in line, and there was a long line for a mechilada, and it was like 25 bucks, right? And I'm like, they gotta, they gotta put a second line there, so you can actually pull out a loan, so you can pay your Michelada off over like a couple months. <laughs> That's so, an expensive Michelada. Yeah, it was an expensive. Cool. It's really good. So but anyway, go, go to your voice. I want to hear that again. That which one? Last one. Well, today my voice is a little 
Raspy. A little off. They're off. So. so you had it. Going had back it. going back to the Steve, Stevie <laughs> Nicks situation. Yeah. Um, what does it say? I'm curious. Okay, so because I could, I could be way off. Okay, but it's, so it's a she lot. Was, for four years, she was taking daily eight times whatever, eight times more than what the prescription was. But they won't, they Tell won't you what disclose what yeah, the So the prescription couldn't have been like... Maybe it wasn't 10. 60. Nothing it was past a lot, two, then. right? Nothing yeah, past two. Really. But because at that point, they'll put her on Seroquel yeah, or something. But, and there, it also mentioned there were days where she would take four times, eight times whatever the prescription was. Yeah. So those numbers are close to what you just said. But it, it wasn't... It wasn't, it some, wasn't 60. I mean, let, let's say it was 20. 20 is a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Man, like a half half milligram would take... Either one of us out. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it'll knock a normal. Yeah, person but out. It, yeah. it also went into her going into other drugs as well, as far as mixing it with cocaine yeah. and alcohol yeah. and other things. Yeah. So, I mean, it, hers was more of a complete domino effect as far as hers spiraling. was completely different. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, she was. What happened with her was, uh, she was on cocaine for like eight years. She went to the Betty Ford Clinic, I believe, and then to come off of. Uh, cocaine and the withdrawals they gave her psychiatrist gave her clonopin and then she developed a clonopin addiction which was way worse than her cocaine addiction because celebrities tend to party harder than a lot of us definitely and uh, when the money runs out they go for a cheaper alternative yeah and a cheaper alternative is basically going to the doctor and asking grandma's medication grandma's medication yeah and she actually so when she went to uh come off of clonopin she actually cold turkeyed off her clonopin, but through a me, uh, through a medical uh, yeah. setting. So I was cold. T- I cold turkeyed off two milligrams. She cold turkeyed off of God what? knows what. God knows what. And it it her, she said the thirty seven days that she did were the worst thirty seven days of her life. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, something like that is. I mean, uh, I, I've seen documentaries on like. Um, Rehab centers, yeah, where people are trying to get off of certain medications, and if you're not professionally monitored, some people can hurt themselves. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's you it's, have it's, to be. Yeah, it's it's a very dangerous process. Yeah, very. There's someone dangerous. that disagrees with you, Ardo. Yeah, as far as what? Well, all not all celebrities party as hard as John does. What happened? What? Look at John, bro. He's saying, "Why are you saying celebrities?" Go at it harder, bro. <laughs> Who's John? 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 John's one of our viewers. Okay, John is one of the most amazing guys. I just forgot to take his okay. medication. So then, uh, he does the after you spiraled for those four days, so, what'd you do? Uh, so after I spiraled for those four days, um, I still hadn't seen a psychiatrist at this point. Uh, so I reached out to my primary care. Uh, she immediately put me back on clonopin. So I, w- I went back on one milligram. And uh, long story short, she's like, you're going on one milligram. Uh, you're going to take Lexapro. So I started taking Lexapro, and she's like, you're going to see a psychiatrist. To make a long story short, my first bout of anxiety started with one milligram of Clonopin, uh, 10 milligrams of Lexapro. Uh, Lexapro worked, but it was a very kind of robotic state of not feeling anxious and depressed. Um, thank you. Uh, to the point where when I started feeling better on Lexapro. It was very robotic. Uh, I was able to come off the clonopin, but once I came off the clonopin, I started getting this weird head pressure, like right here. And I'm like, this does not feel normal. 
So I had actually gone back to work at this time, right? Because I was feeling fine, quote unquote. Um, but that head pressure thing was really strange. And um, I'm like, this does not feel right. And so I called my psychiatrist and he was on vacation and, um, and just kindly put this guy was a complete a-hole. Uh, he didn't, he did, he called me back and he was yelling and screaming at me over the phone. And he's like, Oh, you're such an anxious person. And this is why I'm telling people he's like telling if, his patient. Oh yeah. Oh, dude, I'm, I've had so many psychiatrists yell at me, by the way. So it's, 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 it's such psychiatrists. Um, sorry if there's any psychiatrists in the audience, but be nice to your patients because they're going through a lot of pain. And when you're yelling at them, you're not helping the situation. I've never heard of that. It, yeah. You're such an anxious person. Well, oh, shit. What am I coming well, to you for? You I'm, I'm coming to you for help. Hey, I'm, I'm living proof of it. And it, I'm telling you, some, of them, some of them are not very nice. Um, and I'm putting it very kindly <laughs> with, a, with a grin on my face. Wow. Yeah. Um, so anyway, then I went to another psychiatrist and she put me on this medication. It was an antidepressant. It was actually, so there's so many kind of antidepressants out there. There's like a, so SSRIs are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Um, she put me on a, a serotonin modulator. It was a... Uh, Lamictal? No, it wasn't Lamictal. Lamictal is... I don't know what Lamictal... Well, Lamictal is a bipolar medication. Yeah. But I don't think it's a serotonin modulator. Well, these medications are like... There's a lot of them. Do you guys think uh, the, the name of these medications is an accident? Like, I, don't, I don't... I have no idea. It just makes it so weird. Like, just saying the word is difficult well, I mean, forget about the word. As, as far as like, the only <laughs> antidepressant med- medication that I've medical field free Zoloft, <laughs> yeah, not not only Zoloft, like Xanax, Zoloft. Those are the two that yeah everybody kind of talks so about. Anything with a Z it. has to do with mental. Is that sort of the game? <laughs> so, it, it, it's, there's a lot of X's and Z's. In there's a lot of X's yeah. and Z's. Yeah. It's it's these cocktails, Sorry, man. I have no yeah, knowledge about. There's these there's things. a lot. There's a lot, and and and. My what this second bout of mine that I went through, I actually went through more this time around than last time. Um, so, anyways, the first bout, and then I went on. We're Viber. still talking about 2016. We're still talking about clarify, 2016 right? to clarify. So now you're on Lexapro, tapering off of clonopin, and they gave you another. Yeah. So then SSRI. I, I went on another SSRI because uh, I went down to five milligrams of Lexapro from ten. And what happened was the head pressure went away, but the anxiety came back. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip forward here sure. because this is taking sure. too long for 2016. Ultimately, what ended up happening was Zoloft worked for me. and Just uh, solely Zoloft. Solely Zoloft. Nothing else. Well, th- th- what happens is you start on an antidepressant and you start at a low dose. And um, it, what it does is when you're starting out on these antidepressants, Initially, it creates more anxiety. Now, it doesn't happen to everyone. You don't get more anxiety. It depends on the patient. Some people take an antidepressant, and it'll feel better on day number one. Uh, but in a lot of patients, including myself... You, it's very it's, uncommon, though. It's usually four to six weeks at least. It's four to six weeks on the right dose. Yeah. That's, a, that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Which takes time even it to get the time. right dose. It, it takes time. Um, so my magic number was 150, 150 milligrams of Zoloft. So it took uh, four weeks of me being on 100 milligrams of Zoloft. And then on the day I took 150, I went away. And it was natural, not like not the way Lexapro was. So that was and your 
your that was, spot. That was yeah. my spot. Your, your yeah, sweet spot. Okay. That was my sweet spot. And I was like on. I had gone from one point five, almost two milligrams of clonopin because I, like my my anxiety had gone up so high. Uh, when I was on a hundred milligrams of Zoloft, my clonopin had gone down to like point seven five, and I was taking a mirtazapam to help with sleep, which is also another antidepressant. Right. Long story short, as soon as Zoloft kicked in. Is mirtazapine, that's the Remeron? It's Remeron, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Uh, so as soon as Zoloft kicked in, I literally went from 0.75 milligrams of clonopin down to zero within two, two weeks. Yeah. That's how well Zoloft worked. And then I got off the Remeron eventually. And I was on Zoloft for good, like a good two and a half years. And doing perfectly fine. Doing <laughs> fabulous. But no psychologist. Still at this point. No, I, I, not, I, had not, I told myself I was going to. What happened was I got so busy with work and I had such a high on life that I'm like, I don't need a psychologist. I, I, just, I, I just strictly rely on the medication. And that was, that was I think, one of my mistakes uh, looking back. Um, Any alcohol? Uh, occasionally. Okay. In the beginning, there was, uh, I, 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 I kind of, got back into it and then i took a step back and then when i took a step back i'm like i don't need the alcohol but zoloft was daily oh zoloft has to be daily and it was like what wake up in the mornings wake up in the morning take it once in the morning and then if you and then what happens is it becomes such a routine that you sometimes you forget in the morning so then what happens is like and then i'll and i'll be like, okay you know what i'll just take it tonight mm-hmm. so i'll take it at night and then i might do that routine for like a month or two or three months and now I switched back up to the morning. Let me ask you a question. As far as you just mentioned, like it, be, it became a routine and then you'd forget. Let's say that one morning you did forget. How did you feel throughout the day? Was I was, it- uh, you're fine. If you go like a week without taking it, that's when you feel it. Or two weeks without did, taking did it. Did that ever occur with you where you kind of told yourself, you know what, let me kind of see what happens? Well, that's so th- 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 this is what I'm going to get into is... Uh, no, I never did it intentionally up until middle. So I was on Zoloft. I started taking it. I started feeling good. Like when the Zoloft actually kicked in, it was, uh, August of 2017. So come June of 2019, I'm like, cause I, so what my psychiatrist told me, uh, at the time, um, as soon as he, and he, he was very meticulous. He was very strategic about this. I should say is he waited until I was feeling good because like the first time I stepped into his office, I was in tears because I was convinced that I was never going to be myself again. And that's what a lot of people going through anxiety and depression are like, because like when you're going through the depths of it, you're not, you're, you're, you're thinking you're never going to be cured because it's such an ugly thing. It's such a deep place to be. It's, it's just really ugly. It's just, you're like, I can't believe I'm like, am I doomed? Like, am I, am I ever going to be normal again? Um, and then he, he reassured me. He's like, you're going to be fine. Um, and when I finally did feel fine and he want, he wanted to strategically wait until I was feeling better. And when I went in and told him I was feeling better, he's like, I just want to let you know that you're going to have to be on Zola for the rest of your life. And that didn't sit well with me because I'm like, Why? Right. So um, I always made it a point. I said, um, I'm not going to I'm not going to mention his name, uh, but I said, 
Doc, um, you know my goal is to eventually come off of this, right? He's like, I know, but in order for you to function in life, you need to be honest for the rest of your life. So every time I would see him, and again, like once you, when you start feeling better, like you said, it's like instead of being once a month or once every two weeks, it's like once every three months and it's once every six months and it eventually became like once a year. Um, every time I'd go see him, I'm like, hey, can we go down to 100? He's like, no, you're going to stay at 150. So it was June of 2019. I'm like, you know what? I'm, just, I'm like, let me go to 100. I'm just going to go to 100. So I did. And then... Um, I waited for about two or three weeks. So I'm like, okay, I'm feeling normal. So I called him. I told him what I did. I said it was by accident. I lied. He's like, okay, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm feeling fine. He's like, okay. He's like, all right. He's like, stay at 100. I'm like, when, should, uh, when would I know if it's not working? He's like, you will know in another month. I'm like, okay, I waited another month. I was feeling perfectly fine. So now, now I'm like, Mr. Prideful, I'm like, you know what? I'm, let me do this for another f- few months. I'm going to go down to 50. So I went down to 50. And then I did the same thing. I told him again. And he's like, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm feeling fine. He's like, okay. Like, surprisingly, he was going along with it. So this is a, another thing I want to mention to the audience. Do you think he knew what was coming? I think he did. Yeah, I think he did. So one thing I want to mention to the audience is... Have a conversation. Again, disclaimer, going back to early in our conversation, I'm not pushing medications on anyone in the audience whatsoever. But if you do decide to go down that route, um, when your doctor says something, listen to him. Or her. Or her. Yes, her or him. Thank you. Don't Um, do that, Pierre. We already have so many issues with that. Okay, uh, understandable. (laughs) Or date. Uh, or yeah, or they or them. Um, so uh, ultimately, what ended up happening was uh, the pride got to me. I'm like, I don't need Zoloft anymore, and I happened to come off the medication. Now, granted, so here's what happened: I got to a point where I was on 50 milligrams from taking it every day to every other day. Then to every third day, then to every oh, seventh geez. day, then to like, it, it became like once, like I was taking it once a week. Um, and then we had a meeting. It was like, eight, it was February or March of 2020. And right before COVID hit. Right. Like right just right as COVID hit. Right. And then this is like when my mom, like we, I had found out my, we knew that my mom had cancer. Luckily it was stage one and she was cured and. She's been fine ever since. She's done her, you know, you know, her, her checkups with the mammograms. Yeah, yeah thank, praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> so, I came off of Zoloft, and for the first month or month and a half or two, I was feeling perfectly fine. And then, sure enough, um, little by little, I started waking up in the mornings with like morning depression. Long story short, what ended up happening was uh, the body, it takes a while for the stomach fat to fully release the medication because what happens is the, the, the medication is stored in the stomach fat. And then once it's fully out of your system, that's when you don't have the medication anymore. So the, remember, I was going back to your point. You're like, 
how did you feel when you missed it one day? Yeah. You don't really notice it because it takes a while for the body to fully let wean go of the medication. Of it, kind of, yeah. Wean off of still it. Still in your system. Basically. It's still in your system. And again, it depends on the medication too. Like if it's Prozac, for instance, like I had an experience with Prozac this time around, which didn't agree with me whatsoever. Uh, it stays in your system a lot longer uh, versus something like Paxil, which I also tried this time around, uh, stays in your system a lot shorter. So like every antidepressant has a half-life, um, has a full life. Like it, it just depends on the medication. Because you basically went from taking 150 to 100 to 50, to 50. within nine months. And then within six or seven. And months. then you're 50. That you're saying you're taking it like once a week. You're basically practically taking like five milligrams a day. In in essence, uh, but in all fairness, also um, I, even though I shouldn't have come off the medications, I tapered off properly. It was a proper taper. I didn't just like stop cold yeah, turkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people they will uh, they'll do a much faster taper. I was actually when I when I told myself I'm going to come off the medication without consulting my doctor, I told myself, okay, Pierre, you're going to do this. Fine, do it right. And I, I did it the right way, which is why I didn't have the the aftershock until like two months after my final dose. So what happened? Uh, what happened was, uh, <clears throat> ultimately, my depression came back. But it came back in the form of morning depression. And it was, I would wake up with morning depression. And that morning depression would be washed away with a quick shower and a cup of coffee. And that happened for about maybe three weeks. And then that morning depression now started lingering into the day. So now it's not just morning depression. Now it's like depression during the day. And that lasted for about another three or four weeks. Um, now the depression was, uh, now it's kind of becoming this more of this nuisance. It wasn't severe depression, but it was depression. And it was very heady. And what were you feeling? Same, sim- same symptoms, same thoughts, kind of like with work, with life? Yeah. Everything? Yeah, ultimately. And did you not tell yourself kind of, maybe I should go back and... You would think so, right? You would think so. And the, the funny thing is, um, you would think that given my history, that you'd, I'd be like, Pierre, like, come on, man. Like, you know what this is. You've been through this before. Like, this is depression. But... Um, ego? Ego. Ego. Ego is the number one killer. Um, at, at any point, were you exercising at all as far as like focusing on maybe half hour to an hour a day of... During the depression? Well, any physical not, not activity. During, not during so much, but once you felt better and then you f- you came off the Zoloft and um, you were not taking any more meds, but mm-hmm. you were feeling good. And when it started creeping back up, at any point did you think... Because you said a, a, a quick shower and coffee. And I was good. And you were good. That's all, that's all I right? did. So yeah. if, if you think, you never did any type of exercise in the mornings at, at that point or no? I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not much of an exerciser. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not confident with you. Walk. I'm not saying run a triathlon or anything. You know, just but around just the block. Walk a half hour block. walk. You never did any of that. I, I didn't. Um, my my form of exercise, even to this day, is uh, uh, whenever my brother is free, 
when he has free time from his uh, from his from his uh, from his life career, career and his uh, love life. Uh, I w- him and I go and play catch, and I know it sounds like that's not much, but playing catch uh, if you if you're a fan of baseball. It's huge. It's, it's huge. It's, it's, it's huge. a full body workout. Well, it's huge, but it's how but often? It, but it's but it's not it's often probably doing enough. Doing it three every three months. Yeah, it's, it, exactly. It's not often enough. So forget the physical aspect of catch. I think there's an emotional thing with catch as well. Absolutely. Because my my younger brother's son plays baseball. Okay. And you know he goes and practices with him every other day. Yeah. And you know them playing catch and talking and kind of just you know spending time together is is something huge absolutely and for somebody who's an adult you could be throwing catch with somebody who's an adult and just kind of venting to them yeah so it's not only a physical thing it's an emotional it's a mental kind of yeah. therapy the as well of course 100 percent. but not if it's once every three well months. that's the thing if yeah. if your brother was close by yeah yeah it would have it would have made a drastic difference in your life uh, Definitely, Huge. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, um, Ani Rostamian, who's a uh, pharmacist, says, uh, "Pierre, you should know, clonazepam is a band aid. What is, what is your nutrition diet like? When you take high doses of synthetic agents, your body stops producing serotonin, uh, GABA, etc. Hence, you need more and more. That's why basically you have to constantly increase the dosage in order for sure. it to right? Like you said, your body builds tolerance. Absolutely. Do you have a specific diet you follow? or I, I've been eating. Uh, so w- with this round, I've been eating a lot healthier. Uh, with, What's with my healthier? current round. Um, so my diet is uh, primarily red meat, uh, vegetables. Uh, uh, I have been a lot more conscious with my carbohydrates. I don't eat as many carbohydrates as I used to. What about uh, sugar? Drink a lot of water. Uh, I, I, I kind of cheat with the sugars every now and then, but I try and stay away from them. Um, I, 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 so, so coffee, I, I didn't drink coffee for a year and a half, and I love coffee. So like when I stopped drinking alcohol, co- coffee kind of took over. Yeah. Um, now I know coffee is not anxiety's best friend, but... Because my anxiety is more under control right now, um, I, I I enjoy my cup of coffee, and I, I don't touch alcohol right now at all. So, and caffeine I, is addictive, right? I mean, it, it, even more so for him probably uh, because not, of my addictive nature. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, now throughout these six years, let's say between your first and second episode, yeah, because it was in 2016, and your second one was is 2020, in 2020, late 2020. Have you done any? Alternative treatments like medicate meditation, yoga, um, say energy pranic healing, or have you tried anything else aside from just Western medicine? Uh, I've so my brother, um, who also has uh, a history with anxiety and depression, yeah, uh, does not believe in medication whatsoever, and will never touch it in his life, and has tried his darndest to get me to do. Uh, meditation, uh, exercise, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Is it working for your brother? No. It works well with him, but it took him. A, so the thing with meditation is uh, it takes a lot of time to reach a level where it works. Um, I, 
my personality type, I would have to really devote a lot of time to it because my brother, it just kind of comes naturally to him now because he put a lot of time and energy into meditation and it works wonders for him. And he was able, so he can actually control a full on panic attack through breathing, through breathing exercises. exercises. Yeah. yeah. So like he, he's like read, like he's read uh, books on like Wim Hof. I'm sure you guys. Yeah. 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 Iceman. Yeah. The Iceman. Yeah. So like Rafi's uh, my brother, Rafi's really into Wim Hof. Yeah, he's all about um, self-healing, diet, exercise, of course. Um, So he, we're almost kind of polar opposites. Um, And I'm not against it. It just never quite fit the bill for me. And I, I, I can't really give you a logical reason why. I think because the first time around, because medication worked for me, when it came back this time, it, my 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 knee jerk reaction was, "Oh, medication." That's, That's why I asked you about the exercise when you were doing well. Because when you're not doing well, you can't do jack shit. You're done. You're I mean, done. Yeah. You, you can't. You can't do med- meditation. You can't do yoga. You you you, you can't. Drink coffee. You your mi- your mindset is in, is not in the right. You're place. It's not in the right yeah, place. Nothing yeah. nothing makes sense to you. But that's why I said when you were feeling better, that's that's the best time. It is the best to, time to to jump on the meditation wagon or something else, uh, because if your goal is to get off it, now to some people it may seem like well you know medication is the easy way out. That's why you took medication. Yeah, it's a crutch. But that's not necessarily true, because and in, and I'm kind of going to go back to what Hector was saying earlier, is, um, and I've heard this so many many, from many people over the years, especially in our culture, they'll tell people, listen, just snap out of it, bro. I like, want to talk about that. You know, yeah. And, I mean, what? I never understood what that means. Snap out of it. It's it's different if you. I don't know. Like you ordered pepperoni pizza they forgot the pepperoni it's and different. you're upset and your friends are like hey bro just snap out of it dude it's just but it's different how, how do you tell somebody to snap out of depression or anxiety or panic attacks you that's the last thing you tell someone who's going through depression and anxiety because what you're doing ultimately is you're pushing them over the edge because when someone is in the depths of anxiety and depression and you're like come on bro just snap out of it it's, I, I don't even know where to begin with that because you're, it, on one hand, it's kind of an insult. On the other, it's like um, they don't know, they themselves don't know what's happening to them. So how are they going to snap out of it when they can't even, they don't even know how to handle a situation? Uh, the, you know, there's a famous Armenian saying, now, it's on out one of our hand, hands. It's out of our hands. Uh, now, on one hand, the power of meditation is putting it into our hands. Uh, also, the, uh, when, you, when you bring in the Christian perspective, the power of letting go and letting God, uh, there's that also. But um, Thank you. Um, but when you're in the depths of whether it's deep depression or complete fear, a complete state of fear, panic, anxiety... Uh, it's really difficult 
to tell someone, just snap out of it, because I, I, I know someone currently right now going through a really bad case of it, and um, uh, his parents are having a really difficult time dealing with it, and they don't know how to properly navigate his situation, and in more ways than one, they're ultimately saying snap out of it, yeah. and that's the last thing you tell someone to do. Because what you're doing is you're basically telling them that what they're going through isn't uh, is like not justified when it's when especially if the there's a chemical imbalance component of it, and that's something that's out of your control, the chemical component, the psycho the psychological component is something you can work on via exercise, via therapy, yeah. via what, whatever it might be. Yeah, well, talk about the difference because Hector says he's been through it and that's how he got over it. Now, Hector, was yours PTSD due to, uh, I know you're a veteran, so was it PTSD or was it full-on depression? And there's a difference. There are differences. Mine is PTSD, maybe bipolar. But if you do, when somebody's dealing with depression and they're, they're just down, you know, they're depressed because work's not going the way it's supposed to or according to them, they're not in the relationship they, they think they should be in. You know, friends are doing much better than them and family's doing much better. They, they just feel isolated. That type of depression, yes, you can snap out of it as far as all it takes is maybe a raise. Yeah. Maybe you meet a girl on Tinder. Yeah. Maybe, you know. Change your circle. Maybe some, meet two, something. two girls on yeah. Tinder. Yeah. That, that's situational yeah. depression or and anxiety. You, or you get a VR camera and you meet five girls at home by yourself. Whatever, whatever works for That's you. That's situational, yeah, versus clinical. Stop yeah. telling us your whole VR story. Buy <laughs> 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 a flashlight. Green laser gun. <laughs> but see, those types of things, I, I don't think. Again, my opinion. I'm not a <laughs> medical expert. Don't require medication mm, or anything severe. That you can again therapy talk things through maybe. Yeah, but even that is difficult because, and I'll tell you why. The other day, I, w- I was at a gathering and um, a cousin of a friend, which I hadn't seen him in about maybe two three months. He comes. He's kind of just you know slouching, and I can tell from his body language something not is the up. Same dude. Yeah, he's not shaved. Wow. You know, he just doesn't look like himself. Yeah, he's not talking much. And I said, I said, what's going on? Um, like, ah, you know, I'm just not feeling it. I said, okay, well, what are you not feeling? He says, you know, I went, I was dealing with a health issue about a month and a half ago. So it took about a month and a half for them to figure out there was nothing. They had to do, you know, these different tests and all that. So I went through a lot of stress. I said, okay. But the outcome was great, right? Nothing came of it. It was, you're, you're healthy. Mm-hmm. Yes. I said, so then. It usually is. So then, so Did you then tell him w- to snap out of it. No, no, no. We we broke things down. But my point is, see, for somebody like him, I think he definitely just needs something like, you know, a new job or a new something to kind of yeah push him towards right yeah a that's different direction yeah yeah that's but, environmental. But when you're dealing with the chemical imbalance yeah, like you are different. and you were yeah, that, I I don't see how you. 
run away from that and snap out of it. I mean, yes, you can eventually do it as far as if, if you do what your brother does. Yeah, like I said, right? it's both. Yeah, because my brother, because uh, uh, like I said, it's we have it clinically in our family. But he was able to take other steps, basically. Take other steps and treat the clinical component through meditation. I think every person is different. Every person, every is person different. handles it different as yes. well. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're the type of person where you're constantly active, you like to exercise, that might be a coping mechanism for you. And then there's people that are more kind of behind the desk, they're not as active, where they can't really get up and go to the gym. They can't go out for a walk where it's like, dude, I need something quick, I need something fast. And Yeah. Well, but it's not the coping of it. It's it's the fact that the exercise increases your dopamine serotonin levels. Uh, right? which, which is what, so it's it's actually chemical chemic, change in your it body. Is, it is. It is chemical, but at the same time, I mean, I look at it as, by when I say coping, I mean, it's something for you to kind of get your mind off of that right. the depression, the anxiety, and focus more on okay, what am I doing today? Which is very very tough to do. It's very tough to do. It, um, it is. It is. I mean, again, every, anybody who's anybody, I don't care who you are, in in some time in your life, you've gone through anxiety or you've gone through some sort of stress, yeah. something where yeah. you haven't felt like yourself. If you say you haven't, you're lying to yourself. Yeah, I agree. Uh, whether it's for work, whether it's a relationship, whether it's for family, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just every person kind of copes with it or deals with it a different way. Bro, I know I go through anxiety all the time as well. I know I, know I do. So how do you cope with it? I tr- uh, the first thing is my, my wallpaper on my phone. Which is? It's for my kids. Yeah. Anytime I feel anxious anytime i feel stressed anytime i feel something where i feel like i'm gonna have a heart attack where my chest is caving in i'll literally look at my lock screen and i'll be like this is what i'm going home to and there's been times where yeah deals have gone sour where i stress out and i go shit what am i gonna do oh my god but then i turn around and i go fuck it bro that's a first shit. world problem yeah huh? i go i don't i don't give a shit what's important to me is basically Going home healthy, going to bed, waking up in the morning and going, you know what? Thank God I'm awake. It's a beautiful day. That's very important. Yeah. that's that, that's yeah. And again, not everybody can do that. Not everyone can. That's the, that's the big problem. Is that Not everybody can do that. A lot of people kind of spiral into a different circle and they go, you know, it's like a domino effect. Staying in bed does that to me. Like if I stay in bed, then I'll start thinking like that. Yeah. But yeah. My thing is I just get up and... As soon as I open my eyes, just hit my feet on the ground and move forward. Like that's just the get, way you you gotta get up and move. Yeah. And gratitude. What you're talking about yes. is gratitude. Yeah. 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 Having gratitude is even very for important. the small things, people. Yeah. T- don't take the small things for granted. The smallest of things is important in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's. it's but w- once you're at that point. Yeah, we're talking None about the, s- the simple day, yes. daily. Everyone deals with, like Arno yeah. said, everyone deals with it in a l- smaller level, yeah, but not to the clinical level. I, I, yeah. I think it's a chemical imbalance as well as far as like how people deal with it. There's people that chemically just can't deal with it. As far as you know, some of the people who was it was it Ani that was mentioning it. As far as like 
certain dopamines and uh, again uh, serotonin, serotonin dopamine, yeah, yeah they're, norepinephrine, they're, yeah, yeah, their their chemical their chemical balance is off, so they're affected differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's again going back to what I was saying. Every person deals with it differently, and having the right support, having the right people around you, makes a huge difference. Yeah, and I do also do want to say, um, don't so. If anyone is experiencing it, whether it's situational, whether it's clinical, don't be ashamed of it. Please don't be ashamed of it. Please reach out. Talk to someone. Talk to someone. The first thing you should do is talk to someone. Yeah, For sure. Whether it's your family, it's your friend, it's your pastor, it's your... A stranger. It could even be a stranger. Do you know how many strangers I approached? with my first and second bout, I got, like, sometimes I actually got the most, like, useful advice from random strangers because you're in a, you're in a place where you're so desperate that sometimes you're just, you're just looking for some kind of relief. I, I talked to some strangers, and I'm like, wow. Like, it was, I was just, it was just, it was, it was extremely. You know what it is, right, Pierre? Because you know you're sharing with someone you're never gonna see again. Yeah. So you're that's sharing true. everything. You're sharing. Every, you're sharing. When a you're lot. sharing yeah. with someone you know, you don't want them to use that against you one day. That's a, that's so a good you point. Don't share that's everything. a good point. It depends on who you're talking to, though, because yeah, with someone you know, uh, you'll still share quite a bit, but it depends on the person. You know what I think the biggest fear is being judged. That's true. It's true with a lot of people. That I is, never uh, see. I'm. So this is just me. Um, I'm so transparent that I don't have a fear of being judged, um, especially when you're going through something difficult because you're looking for that support. But a lot of people, especially in our Armenian community, we have this um, ego. And I have it too. I have, I have an ego myself. Um, and we, we're scared of being judged. And by all means, do not be afraid of being judged because it's only going to be more detrimental to yourself yeah. because you need help. If you're going through something that's, if you're struggling, especially if it's, if it's affecting your daily life, if it's affecting your relationships, if it's affecting your work. Um, and if you're having any thoughts of harming yourself, don't do that. Talk to someone, reach out. Uh, if, even if it's a hotline, some kind of suicide hotline or something, just reach out. It's not, it's not worth because, because there is help. And there's a there's a treatment. Uh, uh, you can get help, and you can help yourself. So, don't harm yourself, please. By all means, don't harm yourself. For sure. Um, yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Have, have you? So you've never looked into like um, uh, TMS or ketamine or uh, electroconvulsive therapy? Or? I uh, I considered ketamine at some point, um, and then. And then remember we were talking about CBD or, right. or, or, or more, more, spe- more specifically THC. And I don't, I don't handle psychedelics very well. Uh, I tend to get more anxiety. <clears throat> so I, I sort of walked away from the ketamine idea. And um, but, I, I did an edible. But, but ketamine is not related. It's not a psychedelic. I, I've actually been told it is. Ketamine? Yeah. No, ketamine is uh, anesthetic. I mean, that's what they use to put you to sleep. I understand, but... My, mine, and I could be wrong. How do you spell my, it? Ketamine with the K or C? K E T A M I N E. I know it's used as an anesthetic, and I know it's used uh, to treat patients who are in pain. So when they're going to undergo surgery, they they they, they uh, well, there's two. It was initially used for surgery, 
That's that's before. what I was. Yeah. Then yeah. the last, I want to say maybe five to ten years, they started ex- experimenting with people who have severe pain, and you know the hydrocodones, norcos, and all that mm-hmm. are no longer effective. This uh, is effective for that type of pain, mm-hmm. and then they found out that it also helps with severe depression and people who become resistant to uh, antidepressants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard about that. So that's what ketamine does. It's, it's an IV solution, mm-hmm. right? goes through yeah. intravenously. IV, uh, IV drip. And you do it, let's say three times, five sessions. I'm aware of that. And yeah. Then, and then they can give you a nasal spray, which you spray depending on what the uh, order is. And then you can go back for kind of boosts every six months, every three months, whatever. I'm just saying again, it's an option that's available out there. Yeah, that's that that seems to Less have evasive, high success rates. Yeah, yeah but yeah. see, would you? Let me ask you this: Would you rather take ketamine or THC? Where THC is more of a natural, well, ketamine t- is more of a pharmaceutical. Which one works? THC is is. I mean, THC is long term. It's more natural, obviously, because it w- works with your cannabinoid system and all yeah. but thc you have to be very careful t- for antidepressants cbd is is more so what's used a little bit of thc is used because it it helps the cbd kind of enacts the you can go basically like yeah. a hybrid kind of sort of thing. yeah a hybrid but not a one-to-one ratio you want the thc to be maybe 10 15 20 percent of the cbd how many times did you try thc or psychedelics uh last time none uh, this time once, I took an edible, uh, 10 milligrams of THC. That's, that's the wrong way to go about it, bro. Well, It's very wrong because the edibles because will, takes 45 minutes to an hour, right. and it hits you like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And it remember, did. Right? It, and, and it's it's kind of, it's digested through your liver. and Versus smoking? Yeah. So it, it affects you psychologically much, 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 right much way to go. Yeah, yeah. stronger. Under the tongue. Droplet under the tongue. I mean, slowly you start right. with one drop. Next day, I mean, the thing with the CBD and the THC, your body starts adapting. So you gotta increase over it. time. Yeah, of course you got yeah. you have to increase it. Yeah. but at the end of the day, it's natural and it's dissolved in olive oil. But I'm, yes. I'm I'm curious what you felt. Oh, severe panic. Because severe cause panic. Because there, the, the, see, that's the thing. High dose of THC. That's what were it's you by do. yourself? No, I was with my brother. Okay, so okay. Yeah. And it controlled was a, environment. And it was okay. an edible. It was, it, 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 was an, it was in a controlled environment. I was with my brother. It was an edible. Edible, you don't want to do. Don't do it. Yeah. Have you, you ever could. considered smoking? Uh, I've I've done it before. And? Uh, not during. No, 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 I know. How did. Oh. Uh, and uh, when we were having the conversation before we had, yeah. uh, 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 before going on air, um, anytime I've. So there was a brief period of time in my early 20s where it agreed with me. And then. It stopped agreeing with me, and maybe, and again, it's very psychological. So one thing I know about uh, THC is it depends on where your mind is. So if your mind is in a good place, the THC is not going THC, to yes. take you to a dark place. Yeah, into the mind. Uh, thank you. Uh, if you're in a good place psychologically, THC is not going to take you to a dark place. But if you are kind of even subconsciously in a dark place, the THC is going to bring that out. So Th- that's why it can't be THC alone. It has to be a hybrid. Let's say a 10 milligram CBD that contains two milligrams of THC, not 
10 milligrams. It's like a 10 to 1. It's like a 10 to 1, 10 to 2 ratio max. I don't remember what what it was exactly. I do know that it was an edible. It was 10 milligrams, and there was some kind of ratio there. So, yeah. You know know what I'm curious about? The edibles work is different. Completely. Have, Have you ever heard of something called ayahuasca? I would never do ayahuasca. I've, I've definitely heard about it. I have definitely heard about it. Yeah. What's, what's the reason why you wouldn't try it? I've actually... So, for the very reason why I wouldn't do uh, marijuana. Is it because you're afraid of that going into that dark place? I've heard it, like... I've heard it's that dark place it multiplied does. by it a ta- million. Yeah, it takes you have to... Have you tried Arno? No, I haven't tried. I've, I've thought about thinking co- about yeah, it. Yeah, I want to find a sh- an actual shaman that could do it, but obviously not here. Yeah, um, not in the it States. has to be in a very controlled yeah. environment. Um, I heard Palm Springs has a. There's also place. there's also mushrooms. Also, yeah. I've heard but about I, mushrooms. ayahuasca, I've I've seen so seen so many like documentaries and people on YouTube who talk about it mm-hmm. in a controlled environment again. Yeah, who take it? Who were dealing with depression? Who were dealing with anxiety? Who were dealing with suicidal thoughts? Yeah, where it did take them to a dark place, and there was a lot of it. Do, it does that. So you deal. So you deal with it. You're faced with those fears that you're facing. So you know what's coming. You know it's coming, and you're it, and you have to face them and deal with them. But okay, I'm sorry. Keep I going. Think I can appreciate. That. But again, like I, I don't, I don't know how. If you can deal with it, yeah, yeah. Are you? Are you? Are you is it Man. more of a fear of? We need a shaman on this show. Yeah. I think. Yeah, possible. You should bring one. I, 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 I are know you several live, shamans. Live. You down to do it live, Arno? <laughs> Bro, this is a this is like a it's not a one day thing. No, you got to prepare yourself. Yeah. What is that like? What are, you, what are you guys talking about? Like it's just you guys. It's basically you're taking poisonous mushrooms that take you into a, a different it takes d- you to dimension. another dimension. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it lasts a long time. No, it's a it's How long a, does it last? No, it's a it's 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 like a, couple, a six eight hour process. That's a long trip, but. But you're not on the trip the whole time. But it all it, it all has to do. I haven't personally done it, but I know a lot of shamans who do it, mm-hmm. and they say it's basically it has to do with the shaman really guiding you through the process. Yeah, yeah, that's you what know, I've heard. It can't be some guy who works at the body shop part time <laughs> no. and no way he's a shaman on Friday nights. Yeah, that's <laughs> he not. He gets there, he's <laughs> taking off his Walmart jacket. <laughs> all right, are we ready to do this? I would never. <laughs> so you want to make sure you've got the right. Person that's yeah, going to guide course. you through the journey. The, the yeah. right, they say Costa Rica, some parts yeah, of South America yeah. are the right places to per- actually Peru. do it. I heard it Peru, yes, in Peru, Chile, Peru. Yeah. But I mean, but it's something new. I mean, I know majority of us have heard it it's from. Not like, new. No, for our, for our for us, it's something new. Oh yeah. Oh I yeah. Mean, for the Western world, it's something new. Relative. Yeah. It came right. in pretty much like. Joe Rogan started talking about it. Yeah, Joe Rogan. And then a lot of people started talking about it. Now it's more common, and I know there's one in Palm Springs out of all places. But Astor says Costaneda talks all about about this personal experience with all of it. So there's a ton of ton of videos on YouTube about it. But but again, if you have to obviously feel comfortable, you have to feel comfortable. You can't just you have to psychologically. And it's not for for everybody, right? And it's uh, yeah. Have, yeah. have you looked into LSDs or M, uh, MDMAs or any of those things? Like no, I've never. No, the only the only um, the only uh, recreational drug I've ever done was marijuana. I've never. That's it. No, You've, that's it. No other alternatives. No, no. TMS. The, no, I've never done it. You familiar with TMS? Uh, Transcranial um, magnetic uh, stimulation. What the? 
No. Is that explain, similar to explain, ECT? Please. Is no, that, no, it's not ECT. Or EM, or it's one level below ECT. It's one level below ECT? Yeah, it's basically like a wrap they put around your forehead, and it just... Foil? No, it's not. <laughs> I did biofeedback, by the way, but that, I know that's not biofeedback. No, no, biofeedback is different. Yeah, I did biofeedback. Biofeedback was not effective? It did not, it not, work, it did not work on me. No? I, and I spent a lot of money doing it. Yeah, I know biofeedback yeah, I did about well. 20 sessions. Each was wow. about $200 out of my pocket. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work. But in all fairness, I was also taking a medication that didn't help me at the same time. Mm. Yeah. See, like, I want to I wanna ask if... If you've ever con- have you ever considered going into a hyperbaric chamber or are you claustrophobic? I'm pretty claustrophobic, but I would I would consider it because hyperbaric chamber. You go in there, you real. I mean, again, it it gets you thinking, but it also clears your head and it gets you in a kind of positive mindset. You're right. It's a very sh- you know what a hyperbaric chamber is. Right? I've, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. it's a very it's it's, a, it's basically it's a chain. It's a, it's it's a very large metal chamber. You yeah. walk in, uh, and you're in warm water it's very shallow and you'll lay there and you're you'll you're kind of floating and you can have music on you can be in dead silence it's pitch black and kind of kind of helps you i'm okay with that that sounds kind of cool. kind of yeah you know empty out your thoughts and yeah. uh really kind of gets you thinking about right kind of venting to yourself yeah i mean that's something that might help as well how how long would that take? Like how long is the it's, session? It's, it's about an hour to two hours. Depend, oh, that's not that bad. Depending that's not that on, bad. Yeah, depending. On that's not that bad. I think um, people do that on a daily. Some people use that. Oh, on you a daily. would probably have to, uh, because that's that, that sounds like no, a form of not meditation. That, not that you me. don't have. Not, not that you have to, but uh, I feel like the people that I've heard using it, they use it on daily. It works well for them. I would I would think so. Yeah, and I would actually. I mean, for someone like me who's not accustomed to meditation. I would have to do something like that, uh, like 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 my brother, for instance. When he started meditating, uh, he did it for years, for years until it started working. And then, like he recently got into Wim Hof, like back in twenty twenty, and he was doing that breathing exercise. And like he would hold his breath for like three minutes. I'm like three four minutes. I'm like wow. Like he like because, he, but he had a past with uh, meditation. I I didn't. Um, um, also, uh, since we're on the topic of uh, alternative methods, uh, microdosing on mushrooms, I've heard is very effective as well. Yeah. Yeah. DMT. And, uh, is that DMT? Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah. Well, I don't think microdosing is uh, mushrooms is a DMT. I think that's MDMA. Uh, hold on. Isn't shrooms DMT? That's what I thought. Hold on. Man, we we don't know shit about recreational drugs. Yeah. I, I'm, again, my background <laughs> is, in, is in Western medication. Yeah. Yeah. So what what is I mean at, as of this moment what are you what, what are am you I feeling? Like what, oh, right now? what state are you at? Oh, I'm 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 feeling perfectly fine. Uh, the the only symptom I still have to this day is so remember I told you when we uh, pre going on air that the symptoms I had in 2016 were different than the ones I have today. Yeah. Uh the primary difference and initially I'm like what in the world is this? Right, because I didn't—I didn't know that it was a symptom of depression or anxiety. Um, is head pressure? I didn't have it last time. Now I had it when I was when I was uh, taking Lexapro. Right, remember I told you a story yes, about yeah. like when like my clonopin went down. I had this really weird pressure. Yeah. Um, and maybe someone, um, uh, one of the professionals, if any any psychiatrist or psychologist is listening, they would probably vouch for it. 
but one of the symptoms of depression and anxiety, and it doesn't happen to anyone. It's actually, and actually, initially thought it was rare, but apparently it's not as rare as I thought. Uh, and uh, give me, can you give me a second? Yeah. So, um, so the symptom uh, this time around, one of the primary symptoms, uh, and it's it's like it's going to sound strange to someone who's never experienced this is. Uh, and primarily it's when you go to bed at night, um, you, you feel pressure like right here, uh, I want to point it to the camera, like right here. And when you're trying to fall asleep and like in the beginning was really bad. Uh, but I've, I found the med- well, my psychiatrist recommended a medication, not my current psychiatrist, my previous one. So the medication I'm taking is actually helping with it to a certain degree, uh, is this this extremely annoying uh, pressure like right here. And it's like this throbbing feeling where it like, it'll like squeeze and let go, squeeze and let go. Um, it's, it's not fun whatsoever. And the thing is when you're already having other symptoms and you're having this on top of it, there's a fear of going to bed because you know, you're going to feel this every single night. Whoa. Now it's psychosomatic. Um, but it's there and there's nothing, I mean, there, I mean, is that a side effect of one of the medications? Or? No, no, no. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a side effect of anxiety and depression. Jeez. Now, now m- some medications may enhance it, right? Because when you're, when you're starting out on an antidepressant, it's going to, in the beginning, it's going to make it worse until it makes it better. Uh, but it's definitely not a side effect. And let me tell you why, because, that day, I remember it very well, August 4, 2020, when I had those two panic attacks. Um, I had already talked to my, my old psychiatrist and told him that my depression had come back. And at this point, he didn't know that I had had two panic attacks. So I had told him, I'm like, hey, doc, like, I need something to help me fall asleep. Like, stay asleep. I'm, I'm like, I'm falling asleep, but I can't stay asleep. He's like, okay. At first, he's like, oh, well, like, you know, like, stay away from your phone. I'm not going to give you any medication right away. We're going to try it naturally. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll give it. He's like, we're going to give it a week. I'm like, all right. I'm like, oh, let's do it. Let's do it for a week. I, I, deep down inside, I knew it was more than just staying away from my phone, but I did it anyway. Let a week go by, called him, said, hey, doc, it didn't work. He's like, what worked on you last time? He said, Ramaron, Mirtazapan. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, that's fine. So he gave me mirtazapan. It just so happened that the day I picked up my prescription is the same day I had those two panic attacks. So I had two panic attacks that day. And that night, I took a mirtazapan. So when I went to sleep, I'm like, I'm like, oh, maybe the mirtazapan is causing this. The panic what? attacks? No, no. Oh, the, 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 the pressure. The pressure. Throbbing. The throbbing. Yeah. But uh, mirtazapan does not cause that because last time... I was taking mirtazapan religiously and I I didn't feel that. So, and no other medication I was taking at this point. It was only mirtazapan. I hadn't even started Zoloft yet at the time. I, by the way, I went through like, um, this time around, I went through like five antidepressants, uh, standalones. And I'm currently on Zoloft for the third time, giving it a shot again. But this time we're going higher on the dose. More than 150. More than 150. I'm on 150 right now. Um, because the first time uh, I was meant to go back to work 
so I told my doctor, I'm like, look, I got to go back to work. Like, let's go to 150, like right away, not knowing that you don't do that with Zoloft. Zoloft, you don't, you don't F with it like that. Because I went from 50 to 150 in two weeks. What it did was, after, after the course of a month, I went, now, and this, this doesn't happen to everyone, but I went up so high, the titration was so fast, that it, within a month, uh, I, f- I felt utterly depressed. Utterly depressed. And that was the medication. Because you don't fuck with, uh, with antidepressants like that. Uh, you got you to gotta do it really slow. So the second time around, when I went back on Zoloft, this is time number two, I'm like, and then this is when my old psychiatrist was like, hey, Pierre, like, I'm, like, I'm really sorry, but I can't help you this time. So he referred me to another doctor, another psychiatrist. So that psychiatrist was like, well, what? Why would he not want to help you? Uh, he, I think he, he was so, uh, so here's what happened in the pandemic. So many people had mental illness. And all the psychiatrists were stretched really thin. And I don't think he, I truly think he just didn't want to deal with me. Like, because I was one of those people that was constantly calling him. Uh, I was just like, I'm like, hey, doc, like, I need help. Like, you know, like, and like psychiatrists don't like when their patients are constantly calling them. Um, and he, they want to give you medication so you can go away. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. man. Did you the, become a doctor, yet you don't want someone to call you. Yeah. This yeah. is insanity. Yeah. Did but the pandemic I, affect you at all as far as? A 100%. 100%. Did it make it worse? Do it you think it, it that was part of the plan is to have more people with issues? 100%. Okay. I, that's, an, that's another topic in and of itself. Yes, it is. It's a big topic. We're yeah. going to bring it up right now. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can get into this all day. What do you guys think happened to the sales of all these psych, uh, psychological drugs? It, dude, this is this is a, this it's is off the charts. It's, it's it was it was all the, 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 okay. I'll give my two cents on this, and I'll leave it up to you guys. But to me, the pandemic. <gasps> you said it. I said it. <gasps> I said it, and I'll say it out loud. The pandemic was a push for pharmaceuticals. Okay, in many ways. In many ways. Not just not just the vaccines, not just all the COVID tests, but to to have people who, uh, for mental it it I mean mental illness went up the wazoo during during the pandemic, it's during crazy. the pandemic. You know, I I'm saw, say I saw I people care. vulnerable during the pandemic that I never thought I would see vulnerable. Yeah, people that had no no history of mental illness. So now, now factor in someone who has a history of it. How do you think they're going to feel? I.e. me, you know, I'm curious and as many th- other people. I'm curious as to the cost of your medications from uh, prior to 2020 to during 2020 and after oh. the pandemic. The cost of your medication. I'm just curious uh, they actually, as to... The, the cost did actually go up. My, my, my uh, copay went up. My copay did go up, actually. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it did. Interesting. It did. So I'm actually, I'm currently I'm currently on Medi-Cal only because uh, when when my uh, so I was on state disability for 12 months that ran out uh, and then um, uh, uh, I, I was let go from my previous work. It was more of a mutual agreement. So uh, that that my insurance with my former employer that ran out. So I had to go with Medi-Cal. Um, 
but I, my current job, uh, which I'm loving right now, uh, it's it's so nice to be back at work, man. Like it's it's and it's actually very therapeutic too. Like I'm actually gonna go home after this, and I'm gonna keep working because there's something I need to get out by tomorrow. So beautiful, yeah. Uh, and it's been very therapeutic. Work actually has been really good. Um, You're busy. I'm busy. That's yeah. a good problem to have. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. It really is. So that's another thing. They were pe- making people sit at home. What what happens when you sit in home and you can't go anywhere? You yeah. start thinking. Yeah. Thinking yeah. brings up things in the past. 100%. See, that's what they were looking for. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa Nicole has a question. Um, sure. Did you ever... Go to therapy and work through your because you said ego was kind of oh yeah a major factor yeah. for you. I and actually you, have a great therapist, um, uh, Lucia Moon, um, who I think is actually watching. Maybe she's she still might be watching. Um, she I, was here. Oh, she was. Yes. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Earlier on. Oh, oh, she was not uh, on, on the podcast. Oh, oh, in the oh, comments. Okay, okay. No, no, in the comments. In the, the comments. comments. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, I did a lot of uh, work with her, and um, we did a uh, we did some ego work. Yeah, we definitely did. Um, and obviously, it's it's a work in progress. Uh, any therapy is a work in progress. Yeah. So, um, where, where are you as far as state of mind now? How 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 are you feeling compared to how you were at rock bottom? Um, and and where where are you headed, as far as mentally, as far as your state of mind? So um, I'm definitely feeling a lot better. Um, I'm not at a hundred percent. So like from a medication point of view, the Zoloft hasn't theoretically kicked in yet. Um, but um, I'm so much better than where I was in 2020 and 2021. And again, sorry for asking. I no, don't I, apologize. I, I noticed your your hands as far as trembling. Oh yeah, I have that. Uh, I've had it for a very long time. So is that because of the certain medications that you're taking, or is that something where it happened? I had a premedic. I had this. I've had this since the age of 21. The uh, trembling. The trembling. Yeah, yeah. It's you trembling don't think or that was anxiety. a sign of it? It's probably yeah. I I, I actually do think it's actually. Um, uh, a sign of anxiety. Yeah. I'm mean, sorry for bringing it up and no, asking. No, no. I just wanna... I, I, no, you can do, like I said, you guys can bring up whatever you want. Yeah. And um, again, I'm, dude, this, I'm an open book. Bro, it takes, it takes, we, we haven't cursed a lot on the show tonight, but it takes major balls for you John, to come on. John, you may want to close and, your ears on this one. Yeah. Hey, John, come, you, you don't want to come hear on that and do what though. you fucking did, bro. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because, and not like we said, uh, it's kind of like a taboo sort of thing to it's got, brush it under the rug. Russia, it'll go away. Love Kalini. Mm-hmm. I know, and that's what I, that's why I came. Yeah, is for people to understand that I O love be the Allah, but let's talk about it. Yeah, let's not brush it under the rug. Like if there is an issue you have with your parents or with anyone, don't let your parents tell you that. Oh no 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 no! This is not a big deal. No, it is a big deal. And let's sit down, mom. Let's sit down, dad. And let's talk about this. Which was what I was going to ask you next. What would be your advice to somebody who's watching this, who's kind of afraid to talk about what they're going through with family? The like first what, would step. Be, what would be the first step? What would be, from your experience and from what you've gone through, 
Because if you're just tuning into the podcast, I we want you to go back and listen to, you know, Pierre's story because we went from self medication to weaning yourself off of doctor's prescriptions to a lot of other things. But what would be your advice from the experience and from what you went through to somebody who's basically kind of, you know, in the first steps of having panic attacks, having anxiety, Uh, having depression. For like first step, like what they should do first. Yeah. The first thing they need to do is the the number one most important thing is for them to first and foremost talk to someone, uh, recognize that talk first to and the foremost, correct someone. I'm sorry. Talk to the correct someone. The correct someone, uh, and it should be it should you should feel comfortable talking to your parents, and if your parents aren't you don't feel comfortable because you feel like your parents are going to shame you for it. Ah, that's, that's, that's such a terrible thing. Uh, I'm here. If there's any Armenian parents out there listening, um, please, 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 please. If your son or daughter, or even, even if you are experiencing depression or anxiety, um, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Because it might be situational or it might be clinical. It might actually be a chemical imbalance. And it's, it's an illness, and that's okay. It's okay. It's an illness. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's more prominent than you think. I mean, this, this is really important. Yeah, this it, is really important. It, it seems that see, people aren't shy or embarrassed about saying, look, I have migraines, I yeah. have... I have kidney disease, I have knee pain, I have this pain, I have that pain. I have constant heartburn, I have... Yeah, they'll talk about anything, even, like, about their private parts, like, you know. Yeah. We all know John has yeast infection every other month. Yeah. He talks about it publicly. And it should be just as common as that. Yeah, and... But when it comes to mental illness, it's like they think people are crazy. Like No, they're not. Even if you go to a psychologist or psychiatrist that... Oh, Gija Incha. No. Nothing wrong with therapy. It's a fucking disease like any other disease. Absolutely. No difference. It's actually even more challenging because if you have knee pain, you take a medication, you can feel if it worked or not. With psych meds, you can't. You can't. The only one that works that way is maybe Ativan. That's it. Everything else you need. And that's only if it's anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And that's only if it's anxiety. And he just mentioned that he's back on Zoloft, but he hasn't felt the full effect of it The same dose didn't take me there. Yeah. So it's something where you got to go up higher, right? That's the goal. And if Zoloft doesn't work... It's not the goal. That's what you need. Well, assuming Zoloft works, what if I go to 200... And yeah. it's not enough. The same med doesn't always work. The same med doesn't always work. Because typically with... with it's called a poop out. Yeah. With mental illness, five to ten years, you got to kind of reevaluate things because it yeah. stops working. Your yeah. body gets immune to it? Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah. Kind of. The body... And, yeah. and in his case, Zoloft was working in 2017. And then I stopped it. He stopped it, but it could have 
maybe stopped and you know in 2025 or yeah, whatever yeah, but you're not back on Zola no he, he is he I is. am back he on is, Zola yeah. but yeah. he is but it may not be as effective this time trial, around yeah. I'm going through the trial period right now let's say let's say it does start to kick in it starts to work yeah are you prepared because you weren't before are you prepared to kind of do what the doctor says and take this for the rest of your life or are you gonna kind of wean yourself off again and then kind of stop at a certain point Point. I'm gonna stay on for the rest of my life. Okay. Yeah. There you go. But but I would definitely encourage some of the things your brother is doing. One hundred one hundred percent. That's something. One hundred percent. Swimming. Yeah. Start Baseball. slow. Yeah. The trick to health uh, health uh, as far as uh, athletics start slow. If yeah. you try and go run three miles the first day, you're gonna fail because you're gonna give up the next day. That's very start true. Start around the block, bro. Yeah. The yeah. next day, add uh, 10 steps. Don't add another mile. Yeah. Add 10 steps at a time. Yeah. That's the only way you're going to continue. But if you go at it the first day, oh, I'm doing seven miles today, guess what? You're not going back to it. You said you live in Glendale, right? Yeah. Have you ever considered doing the Brand Park trails? Hiking up there maybe once every other day? Nature has a great I, I, I tried though. during the depths of my anxiety. I couldn't do it, but I can do it now. Yeah. 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 Oh, but even... Look, the, the 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 reason why a lot of people fail to to make it a routine is because it takes a step. Like you have to get out of your house, get in your car, drive to the park, get on the trail. That's a multi-step process, right? But if you just get out and walk, you know, the a mile, two miles, three miles, just around your neighborhood, it takes no steps. You just have to. Yeah, <coughs> put on your panties and shoes, and that's it. You're ready to go. Well, you don't have to drive to the gym. You don't have yeah. to. You now don't have to wear swimming shorts to get in the pool. You run into people. That's you true. walk outside, you yeah. run into people. Yeah, you run into people. Conversation comes up. That's true. So that's yeah. the that's the things that I feel like could help. But you, like we all said, none of us here are professionals, including none us, myself. None. This is just myself. a conversation. Yeah, everyone out there just is. Yeah. Simply a conversation, nothing more. Um, Pierre, pow, more as <laughs> dude, you got balls, man. Uh, much power to you Thank for you. doing what you did, coming on, talking about it. I mean, not every not everybody could do it. Um, if people want to reach out to you, uh, are, are you okay with them kind oh, of de- sending you a DM? Yeah, on? please. Yeah. I'm all, I'm all about it. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what I came on the show for because. There's a lot I wanted to say I haven't I didn't really even touch up on but uh, I we're open to it we're open to it yeah yeah I'm I'm, if if you don't mind I I would I would like to touch up on some more things Um, uh, don't mind him he's yeah 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 always likes to cut it short right sorry sorry I'm not I don't mean to I don't mean to who's coming over Arno who's coming over nobody actually nobody's coming over um so I I so I wanted to talk about the psychological component which I did it's it's psychological. And in many cases, like we were talking about, it's situational, right? So if it's situational, you can change your situation. You can do take steps to change it because not everyone has it clinically. Um, and if it's clinical, and here's the rub with, with, with anxiety and depression, how do you really know if it's clinical, right? I don't think science has advanced enough for someone to be able to be like, no, this guy has a clinic. I mean, psychiatry... psychiatry is it's is working on it, but they're not fully there yet. 
Have you tried I, the Amen Clinic by any chance? I, so uh, I looked into it. Yes, I was going to do the scan. Yeah, but it was really expensive. So I've definitely heard about the Amen Clinic. I've heard about Doctor Amen. I actually talked. I had a session with uh, Doctor. Uh, I'm forgetting his first name, but Doctor Henslin. Doctor Henslin is affiliated with the Amen Clinic, um, and you know our mutual friend Gary is the one who put me in touch with Doctor Henslin. And um, I had a one-hour session with him, and I just filled out a question answer, and he's basically like, yeah, PTSD. So, uh, you know, and he, he determined that based on, like, a 30-page question answer thing that I filled out. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of knew uh, from my last experience that the thing I'm primarily dealing with is PTSD based on various things from childhood, various things that I've dealt with uh, – Growing, uh, dealing with you know various work situations, for instance, just various people I come into contact with. Yeah. And one of the and here here's on the on the positive notes of depression and anxiety, uh, you learn a lot about yourself. Uh, now it hurts a lot, right? But it's gotta hurt for you to learn about it uh, when you when you come out on the other side. Um, so uh, I've definitely heard about the Amen Clinic. How about hypnotism? Since you said it has a lot to do with childhood and work related issues hypnotherapy hypnotherapy yeah uh, i'm gonna uh i i i will definitely look into that because that that would i i know i've uh my current psychologist lucia we, her and i have talked about that um so I, i'm gonna reach out to her actually and talk to her about that see if she knows anyone. and you could connect us to that person because we want a hypnotherapist on the yeah. podcast as well yeah that's yeah. something where it's you can get into you know deep conversation yeah that, that's like child work right there yeah. uh, connecting with your inner child yeah because there's a lot of triggers that have built up for a lot of people dealing with depression where mm -hmm. you kind of have to unwind it yeah. go back remove that guilty feeling absolutely or, that resentment or anger, whatever it happens to be. It's, it's, a, it's like a giant knot. Yeah. And then the knot turns into another knot and another knot. And the next thing you know, when you look back, you're like, holy shit, how do I unwind this? Absolutely. And in order to really, really, truly kind of unwind and straighten out everything that happened in your life, it's hard to do it alone. 100%. It, you, you need some help, whether it's professional or, you know, a family member or a friend who yeah. can actually help you unwind that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's what I was trying to get at was I really hope your parents uh, are someone you can go to. And if they're not, um, it's unfortunate, but it's, I know it's part of our culture, unfortunately. Uh, you know what it is? It's not only our culture. I think, I, I think it's all humans. It's, it's, it's not only all, not, no, not, I don't think so. I think it's how, generation? It's, it's how we lived and where we lived. And what we went through. Right. Like, my, my family lived in, you know, communist Russia. Yeah. How was it there? Straight up fucking dictatorship, man. Yeah, that's true. And they, had, it, to, they had to be strong. Yeah, and in, order, strong. And, and in order to survive in a communist regime, you had to be tough-skinned. Yeah. And then when you come to this country, you know, yeah, you're in the land of opportunity, land of the free, but you're kind of wired in a way where you still think it's kind of communist Russia. And you're and you think a certain way, and yeah. in order for you to kind of get out of that, I mean, it takes time. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's what they always say. That's very true. Yeah. So yeah, it, it'll take one or two generations to kind of break that. Yeah, yeah. 
generational. Yeah, there's a lot of generational things that uh, need to sort of uh, kind of you kind of have to cut the cord. Yeah. Right. And I get that. I get that because it's generational too, and it's how they were taught by their parents and where they were raised. And where yeah. they were raised also. Um, what their parents' parent, what your parents' parents have been through, has 100%. a lot to do with this. One hundred percent. I mean, you're saying your family's from Lebanon and Bulgaria. I'm, yeah, I'm guessing Lebanon. your grandparents who came to Lebanon escaped. Yeah, uh, the, 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 and and what they've seen during those times. Yes, majority yes. of the Armenians that came to Lebanon, they did not share. Or talk about what they went through. Yeah. They held it in, and some of these people took it out on their own family members sometimes. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Ara says any therapist will convince you that you had a horrible childhood, even if you had not. Uh, no, not don't true, say though. that, man. There's some really good <laughs> doctors some, and therapists out yeah, there, man. Don't say that. Not all of them will. See, I mean, I, I will agree with Ara that majority are not... In it for the right reason, but it's about finding the right person. Yes, and that's what I said. You have to find the right one. Yeah. If you if you if you take that approach, I mean, your attorney, your doctor, your insurance guy, your realtor, your gynecologist, everything, your gynecologist, they're all going to try to rip you off. Take your money yeah. and say, "Oh yeah, you got a case. I think you got a strong case here. You pay him a twenty grand retainer, and nothing happens, and so on and so forth." So it's a matter of Yes, the first one may not be the right therapist, That's the true. right hypnotist, but it's a start where you explore the idea. You you don't have to commit on day one that this is going to be your therapist mm. for life, but at least you have somebody to have a discussion with that could share some ideas yeah. with you, which will then open other doors for It'll you. Open other doors, you'll get ideas, and you can apply that to the next yeah. one. It's like, it's like hiring the first contractor that comes and gives you a quote. No, you don't do that. Yeah. Talk to a couple of people and why not? <laughs> I can speak from experience. On that one. <laughs> He's like, architect. I hired everyone. Architect. <laughs> oh, geez, what about man. being an architect? So you're an architect. Not licensed, but I'm in the field, yes. So you're in the field of architecture. I'm in the field of architecture for a very long time. Don't you think that's a boring field? Like architecture? For, uh, architecture? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Are you kidding uh, me? Let me just for hold me. on. Uh, for me. I, you guys got to understand. What just, well, it you depends said, on the kind of architecture. Think. So yes. you're asking him what he thinks. Yes. It depends on the kind of architecture. I've worked on projects that will bore me to death. Not the 3D ones. I'm talking about the gr grind ones, right? Well, they're all grinds. All of them are a grind. But it depends on the projects. So I've, I've worked in theme entertainment for almost 11 years. And yeah. that I, 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 that's exciting. That, that I love because every project is different from the next. Uh, you know, I mean, I've worked on some like pretty cool Disney theme park attractions. So when you say theme park, meaning you designed the layout of it? Or? So I myself personally don't actually lay out the floor plan. Uh, the way it works is they'll have their creative team do it. And then it gets handed over to the architecture department. And once we get it, we get a conceptual design. And we'll, we'll ultimately take that and we we realize that, we manifest that into something that's buildable. And you guys were, and you said you were involved with Disney, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Were you involved in Galaxy's Edge? Uh, no, only back of house. Oh, okay. Not, I was not, about, not, not, not front of house. I know what you're talking about. I was about to say, I was like, good <laughs> shit, bro. Because <laughs> I know someone who was, though. 
Yeah, I got nice. it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's incredible what they I've, did. I've, yeah, I, I heard great things about uh, about Star Wars Land. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, in, it's yeah. insane. From the floors to the walls to, I mean, yeah, you go in there and it, it's, it's, it's insane. That's, that's the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the, 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 the black, the, the dark ride. The one that takes you from scene to scene, right? Or, well, is, or is that the, not the, the, the ride itself? Yeah, the millenn- there's a Millennium Falcon ride, and then there's, and then there's the other one that you're referring one. to. Yeah, but as far as the actual Galaxy's Edge, the entire the land itself, when you're when you walk in, oh, you're talking about the entire experience. Oh, yeah, the oh, entire, right, it's insane. right, right, right. Okay. I mean, even bro, even the characters in there. When you ask them, oh, Star Wars land looks great. They go, what is Star Wars? Well, it. So one thing with that is it was one of the first. Uh, not it wasn't the first for sure because I think Cars Land was. Yes. But Cars Land started. It was like the first fully immersive land, mm-hmm. and that hadn't been done before. And I think Toy Story was the second, and and eventually Star Wars Land yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. yeah, fully immersive. Yeah. Um, I did see a comment about someone mentioning, let's not bring up a new generation of Armenian snowflakes. Uh, if you've been a follower of the Wise Nuts, we're complete opposite of raising snowflakes. I don't think you got the right show, buddy. But when you talk about psychological health, it's okay to bring it up sometimes, buddy. It's nothing against that. I don't even know what that means. So basically, we got someone that's saying, oh, why are you guys talking about how you're raising a new generation of Armenian snowflakes by talking about these issues, right? Oh, which is the stupidest thing you can say. Oh, no. so the fact that we're talking about mental illness means we're raising snowflakes? No. In a sense. No, that's not right. He's saying hope Soviet effects last longer. Wow. Wow. No. Okay. Great. We all have uh, our own opinion. Everyone's had, yeah. I mean, you're welcome yeah. to yours. That's Everyone's the best welcome part. to it. So the wise nuts will allow you to have your opinion. Yeah, that's the only difference. To each their own. Yeah, it's like an asshole. Everybody's got one, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Seriously. Anything else that you kind of wanted to touch base yeah. on? Yeah, <clears throat> and one final, well, there's a bunch, but uh, one important thing also is, uh, and I think we've kind of talked about this from the point of view of working out, but um, about the generations, uh, the older generations, their, um, their diet was a cleaner diet. The, the, the land. Less hormonal. Yes, the land that the food was raised on was cleaner. Now, I was born here, raised here. Some of you guys came here at a very young age. The food that we were eating was not as clean. Them Big Macs and chicken nuggets, man. Yeah. So so now, like, the food that we're putting in our body is messing up with our horm- hormones. And if you are now, if you have some, if you're clinically inclined... If you're inclined to have clinical depression or anxiety and now you're putting bad foods into your stomach, because the central nervous system, what a lot of people don't understand is it actually starts at your gut. Yep. Serotonin is created in your gut and then it transfers over uh, via neurotransmitters or whatever into your brain. Correct. Yeah. That's why antidepressants actually don't... You sound like hormone right now. Uh, <laughs> antidepressants... Uh, they don't go to your gut. They're they're going right. To, uh, they're they're going to the second source, which is your brain. They sit in your gut and they, they sit screw your up gut. your brain. Yeah, yeah. And they they they. So like, uh, so you can you can reverse it by changing your diet. But if the food source is is messed up to begin with, uh, then you know it's so. The the point I'm trying to make here is, um, 
what you eat is what you are. Um, and I, by the way, I want to credit, I'm not going to mention her name, but I know she's listening. So thank you for helping me make this point uh, because uh, she's the one to help remind me about this. Uh, the food is a very big component of mental health, just like any health. So um, if our parents were not only were they born and raised in a situation where they actually had to like, you know, be stronger and tougher, right? Uh, also, they were eating healthier foods. Hundred percent. What and about what about whole movement? Foods. They were what about movement? Foods, yeah. Movement? Yeah. They, they were probably moving. Right a lot now, aren't more. you working from home? Yeah, yeah. We ha- we all have. Com- most of us have computers. Have talks. you tried even counting your steps per day? No, no. See? Because I'm because I'm sitting. I, I work. In, I I. I Our model. parents' generation, they walked yes, to school. Yes, very true. They walked home from school. Very true. They started working. They work walked to work. Yeah. Before that, as humans, we were hunters and gatherers, At right? 100%. So you didn't eat if you didn't go catch something, bro. God did not create us to sit in front of the computer 8 to 12 hours a day, five days a week. And yeah. I think making it worse is creating all these fast foods, Postmates now. Now, now you don't even need to sit in your car to go get your McDonald's. Now you could sit at home and have it delivered directly I'm to you. I'm guilty of it, but well, yeah. You yeah. can do what John does, wear diapers and you don't have to walk yeah. to the restaurant. Because yeah. dude, what does he do? He just sits there and shits himself? Yeah, until the caregiver shows up. He has a uh-huh. bedpan. <laughs> but uh, but uh, like, dude, there's there's times where uh, I'm guilty of this. Pierre's well. wondering who John. It's like who's It's all John? good. It's, it's okay. We'll show you a picture of yeah, John. John is John is one of our <laughs> closest friends here on the show. But he's we a, take jabs at each he's other. He's a smart ass, so we yeah. like to mess around. Nice, with him. yeah. But I mean, everybody's guilty of it, man. Like you, you sometimes when you eat that garbage, yeah, you'll sit at you'll sit at your desk or you'll sit at home or you you'll sit on your ca- and yeah, you'll go like, oh god, I shouldn't have ate that, or you'll be yeah. like, oh, I don't want to do anything, and then what happens? Food coma. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Waste of a day. Yes. Yeah. So those were all. I th- there was there's a few more, but I think I got all the main main points across that I hopefully resonated with the audience. So. Yo, I want to bring I, yeah. something weird look, up. I'm open to you I, guys. I now. think I think it did. And the fact, look, here's what here's what I always look at, and this is what how kind of our sh- show has gotten to the point it is today. Is even if we bring on a guest and one or five or ten people get something out of it, that's that's we don't idea. have the reach Joe Rogan does, so we're not going to get into we're not going to have millions of eyeballs, right? But even if we're able to impact somebody where they, they weren't sure if they had depression or not, now they're certain they probably need to look into it and mm-hmm. not not take their grandma's or parents' mm-hmm. pill mm-hmm. and test it out themselves. Don't self-medicate. Then, then, then we've done something right. Yeah. Then your purpose for being here is validated. Yeah. You know? That's that makes me feel good. Yeah. So it's it's Yeah, you have no idea, man. And it's, thank you guys for this opportunity to come here. Thank you. Yeah. Of course. No, no I, it's 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 two Dude, ways. Thank you. Yeah. Seriously, thank you. Thank it's, you. It's something. It's it's something huge what you did, and like we I mentioned before, not everybody would do it. Not no, otherwise we've had we would have had somebody on. One hundred percent. Hundred seventy eight. Even asked. One seventy eight. <laughs> episode one seventy eight. One seventy eight. Yeah. What were you uh, gonna say, Ed? You said I was gonna say the size like. Everyone here has seen their dad's hands. Who has bigger hands? You or your dad? Pops. My dad. Definitely not us. Does that say anything? 
Well, because they work with their hands. They work, yeah, yeah, exactly. They did. Yeah, they did. No, yeah. we're a bunch of snowflakes. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's some truth to that. Yeah, then, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Pierre, thanks again, man. Absolutely. We, we really My pleasure. Coming on to, My pleasure. To join us and talk to us. Um, God bless you guys. Guys, if anybody needs to reach Pierre, uh, we have his Instagram tagged in uh, multiple posts. He's following us as well. Uh, you go to the actual post that I posted with him. And we're actually collaborating yeah, on it. So you yeah. click on it, it'll go to his page directly. Uh, other than that, you know, daily memes are back. We're posting ba- daily memes. When you say back, where were they? Because I miss it some weeks, bro. Oh. I miss and it. Also, some please weeks. share, share, like, share. It's just yeah. Sometimes we I need miss more it. eyeballs. Yeah. Come so uh, share today's episode. It was a very informative one. It's something that, like we said, Armand said it as well. Uh, if one person, or two people, or three people can benefit from today's show it's something that you know what we achieved our goal absolutely simple as that yeah uh today's episode will be on spotify itunes all major platforms manana um waiting for the music cue are we good we're good are we good oh no wonder it was (laughs) there we go don't you remember there we go other than that have a great week have a great weekend Oh, should we mention who's coming next week? Let's do it. Who? He's a really tall guy. <laughs> is he? Is he an LA guy, guy now, or he's still? I don't know. He'll tell guy. us. He'll, he'll tell us what. Us the, he'll let us know what he's doing in LA. But uh, the tall Armenian Matthew will be with us uh, next Monday. Uh, we haven't seen him in person. Narek was at my house. My brother-in-law. He yeah. said he saw him at the gym, and he goes. Bro, that guy's huge. Yeah. I'm like, what, what are we, what are we like looking right at? I, I, I asked yeah. him. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, I'm like, cool. what are we looking at? Like 6'6"? Six, six? He, six, eight, he goes, bro, wow, he's 6'8". Really? Yeah, he's 6'8". That's so, a tall Armenian right there. Matt, yeah, that is a tall Armenian. Uh, Hopefully I won't have my Kleenex next Monday. Yeah, I yeah. I won't have a runny nose. Yeah, he doesn't have, he's not COVID positive. <laughs> uh, Matt, being a guy who's 5'6 on a good day, I'm really excited to meet somebody who's 6'8". Arro's going to sit on Matt's lap. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be it'll be more interesting if Matt sits on my lap. All right, let's, I will leave you two alone. How yeah, about that? One hundred percent. We'll use that couch in the back. Everybody else, have a great week. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Love you. Make it a great one. Thank you guys. <laughs>